Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Florida Man Plays X-Wing. I am your host, as always, Steve Sesnick, and I'm joined to my right by the Reverend Joe Laporta. What's up, hey, man? Hey, happy to be here. Yes. And also with us tonight, uh, as usual, Carlos Ramirez. What's up, dude? What's going on, guys? Hey, Carlos, why, why don't we put you in front of me on the intro? Like, you can what? assert yourself. You can be like, I think I should outrank Joe now. It's just the Not order really. I do things in. <laughs> oh, really? Plus, you, you guys are there you? together in a room, we so it's probably easier for him to. You know, yeah, it's just the order. Acknowledge the in. fact that you exist in there. <laughs> Accept it. All right, all right, all right. I'll be the middle child. <laughs> it's the order that I use. <laughs> Fair enough. I just say you know, we can mix it up sometimes. Maybe, maybe if I'm feeling spicy one day, maybe I'll do that. I feel we'll like we're getting too predictable as a podcast. Spicy is my nickname, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carlos Spicy? What? <laughs> I've heard this before. I don't know that I've ever heard the origins of it. What what where did that come from? Um so basically uh I have uh, some friends that I've been hanging out with since college. And obviously um I being Hispanic is a minority. Uh, so I was always called Spicy because uh-huh. I was the token Hispanic. Ah. Yes. Uh, which is kind of funny because it evolved significantly. Uh, my friends became a lot more uh, open to other cultures uh, after they met me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, uh, there was actually three of uh, us Hispanics uh, in the in the friend group. I mean, we're talking about guys, you know, like big group of guys, you know, yeah. a dozen people you know, or so. And um, so I was spicy. And then uh, the other one was called mild because he usually, you know. <laughs> Was, was he yeah, more reserved? Pretty calm. Yeah, he was a little yeah. more reserved. <laughs> and then the other guy was called medium. So, because ah. he, like, he could get a little crazy, but not as crazy as me. So, yeah, there you go. Um, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, uh, a lot of them kind of grouped together as a sort of a semi prank at my wedding. And um, on every single one of their gift bags uh, for my wedding, there were uh, spicy. Um, or like a Taco Bell sauce, uh, <laughs> hot sauce, <laughs> and like with the cards and the gifts and all that stuff. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. That's good stuff. All right, so what are we all drinking tonight? I got, uh, I got myself some uh, Golden Monkey from uh, Victory Brewing Company, which is uh, quite good and uh, quite strong. So we'll see in what kind of state I'm in by the end of the podcast. But. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping he passes out because when I pass out on the show, no one can hear me. But if Steve passes out, you'll totally be able to hear him snore. Yeah. And yeah. the next <laughs> county over. This is true. Like Carlos will be able to take the headphones off and hear him wherever he's at. <laughs> yeah. But you see, the key factor here is I, I don't fall asleep while doing the show. Oh. So. Oh, aren't we nice? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rub it in a little more. Uh, I'm I can't say I have either. <laughs> I did bring it up. Yeah. I suppose yeah. I had that coming. Yeah, you did. Um, I'm drinking coffee because I don't want to fall asleep during the show. Yes. So caffeine. But this is like, I made this at work. It's what? It's quarter after 10. So this is roughly a eight hour old coffee and it's delicious. <laughs> Excellent. Carlos, what you drinking, man? Uh, shipyard uh, again, because my wife uh, likes handing those, uh, getting those bogos uh, at Publix. Uh, and I love me some IPAs, uh, so it's uh, drinking kind of the usual tonight. All right. Well, cool beans. All right. So, oh, was that what? a reference? I'm no, drinking cold not. coffee, which comes from beans. Oh, this is true. 
No. I was not trying to make a reference now. But I don't know if I believe him. All right. That's fine. <laughs> so we got a little bit of news this week. Um, there was a new article out for the uh, for the new hyena class droid bomber. Uh, so we're going to talk about that this evening. Um, also, just uh, they also I believe they announced that uh, wave four will be available June 6th. So that that is the official drop date now for wave four. So coming uh, coming soon. Um, so the hyena bomber here, um, we talked about it a little bit previously when they showed kind of the initial thing for it. Um, so it is a, uh, bomber class ship. Obviously it's got five hull, uh, two evade two uh, front arc attack. It's got a calculate action, a target lock action, a barrel roll linked into a red target lock and a uh, reload action on it. It also has the networked calculations, uh, ability built onto the ship, which, uh, same as the, uh, same as the vulture droids. So while you defend or perform an attack, you may spend one calculate token on a, from a friendly ship at range zero to one to change one eyeball result to an evade or a hit. So, uh, does the exact same thing works makes it so they work in tandem with the, um, uh, with the vulture droids and, uh, so that you can kind of put them in a pack together and they can all function. Um, and the first one they got in here is just a, an initiative three separatist bomber. Um, no extra ability. So it is a generic, but it's initiative three. Are we doing, um, are we doing a Game of Thrones spoiler free episode? Uh, for the moment, we, uh, we, we may, we may, you know, you may hang out after the music at the end of the show and, and hear some spoilers if you wish, but, um, oh, fair enough. As I say, the flavor text from this seems particularly relevant. The fl- oh, the- yeah, <laughs> I'm not ready yet. A little, yeah. little timely, you know, too soon, too soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to bitch about the uh, the class name then instead. Uh, so we have the Vulture class, we have the Hyena class, right? Yeah. Those exist in Star Wars or... Uh, Apparently those animals are somewhere in Star Wars or at least somebody working at Lucasfilm in the, in the 90s and early 2000s thought they did, so... I mean, that's kind of a deeper problem for them. Like, they have the <laughs> X-Wing and the Y-Wing. Yeah. Do they have X's and Y's in Star Wars? They don't. No, they do not. They have Arabesh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I believe Han tells somebody that he'll see them in hell, which I'm pretty sure Star Wars doesn't have a hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think... The anybody, concept of hell. Yeah, probably. I mean, anybody who's... So, some culture has to have a, uh, some sort of concept oh, so you of think hell. there's a Judeo-Christian Star Wars uh You never sect? know. There was a lot of, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of people out there in this uh, galaxy far, far away. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, this is uh, this is. I mean, anybody who's, who's ever tried to wrap their head around the logic of Star Wars is is that's a fool's errand. You're not. You're you're just not getting it. Oh, we do a lot of fool's errands. Yeah, I, I understand that, but <laughs> you're not going to get anywhere trying to uh, wrap logic into this universe. Well, I'm going to spend the rest of this segment wondering what a Star Wars hyena looks like. Yes, go for it. I'm draw, sure it has. I'm sure it better has a lightsaber. Draw one Everything for does. Draw one for us, Joe. Everything. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because we found out today that apparently we have an Instagram. Like somebody was like, "Hey, can we use our Instagram?" And they explained to me what that was, and then I think my whole Instagram for this week will just be a hyena with lightsaber. If you that. draw a hyena, a Star Wars hyena, we will put it on the Instagram. Oh man, this is like a this is a challenge. This is like what YouTubers yeah. do. Yeah, right. Like, tell me this thing I should draw. Then for some reason, watch me draw it. You've been challenged. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not going to watch you draw it. We're just going to put the final <laughs> product on the Instagram. <laughs> Um, all right. So then they also showed off the, uh, the initiative one techno union bomber, which is exactly the same as the initiative three one, just with initiative one. Um, 
Then next up on the list is uh, Plasmatorps, which uh, they did show this uh, in the last article, but we'll just go over it again because they're back. Um, so this is a range two to three uh, torpedo. Takes one torpedo slot to use it. Uh, it's front arc, three dice, two charges. Um, it has an attack target lock. You spend one charge during the neutralized results step. Uh, crit results are canceled before hit results. After this attack hits, the defender loses one shield. So the important thing about this compared to the old plasma torps is, um, well, one, it's three dice instead of four like the old ones were. However, that shield actually comes off before the damage goes through. So, uh, yeah. so the shield comes off and then any damage goes through. So it makes it a little bit, it's kind of like adding that fourth die back in because you're much more likely to have a shield to hit before the hits go through than after. So it evens out basically. Uh, yeah, it kind of evens damage. it out. Yep. Yeah. I think it evens out enough where I'm just going to shrug and be like, next. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's not too much different there, but it's, it's solid. And I think it's going to be. My guess is this is going to be cheaper than Proton Torps. Um, and it could become a fairly common uh, kind of filler munition on on a lot of ships. So It'll be good, uh, especially just right now. I'm sure that by the time this comes out, you know, we're getting close to the switch on the uh, points update. Uh, but, um, you know, if Rebel Beef is still a thing, you know, these could be really good against those B-Wings. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So... This this is a card that's very meta dependent, you know. Like if the meta's got a lot of like rebel beefy stuff in it, it's great. If it's um, if it doesn't like if separatists become a, a much bigger segment of the uh, population, then this card is pretty terrible because they none of their ships really have shields, <laughs> or two of their main ships and that they're going to use a lot of the hyenas and the vultures don't have shields, so. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's it's kind of you know it's a meta dependent thing on on how useful this is going to be, but uh, I think it's going to be a solid filler munition uh, that that a lot of ships can can play in place of the plasma torps um, just for price purposes. Um, we've uh, shells. All right, so then we've got the bombardment drone, uh, which is an initiative three. It's got three uh, pips on it, so that uh, you know it's limited to three per squad. Um, it says. Uh, if you would drop a device, you may launch that device instead using the same template. So, um, yeah, so any any bombs or and it's devices in general. So it's any device. So it's bombs or mines um, or anything else that, that fits in that device category. So uh, that definitely opens up some options for it. Um, I think as far as, you know, it's kind of interesting to be able to put a mine on it. And if you've got somebody like parked in your face from the, from the round before, just drop it right on them. Can it launch? And that's those uh, uh th those the those already launch anyways. Those yeah. are also missile slots. Yeah, those are missile. Yeah, the buzz droids nah, are missile yeah, slots. Yeah, it's not a device. Yeah, the um, that's right. Yeah, there was. You're thinking of the dark the dark one probe droids or those are devices. Probe droids. No, I never gonna think of those again. Probe droids. Probe droids. I just those are these actually guys, pretty good. Uh, yeah. the subtitles tot. Oh, time on tot. target. Yeah, tot. Very taut. <laughs> so, uh, sure, taut. just just for clarity here, um, launching that device, and obviously the only thing that we've been used to right now is uh, trajectory simulator. Yeah. But in this definition, it's just a one straight. It's template. just a one straight. Yeah. So, so you do got to be a little careful with it. Um, 
if you're using this. Uh, it's probably good for it's probably good for seismics, um, and it's probably just to give you some more options. Like because the seismic itself doesn't hurt you, it's the it's the rock that hurts you. So, or the seismic through the rock, but you can. You know, you can drop this out the front if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to get at a rock that's like up and to the right of you and then you turn left so that you can actually get out of that range one band that you're that you're creating by uh, launching it in front of you. So uh, it could be interesting for that. I, I'd say it's probably difficult for something like um, proton bombs um, just because you, you're going to have a, a more difficult time getting out of the way of your own of your own device at that point but um and mines is just interesting just being able to drop those right on top of somebody and because they instantly go off so because you, you'll know when you can do it um any other thoughts on the bombardment drone it it just you know we keep saying this over and over um but you know points is going to matter yeah, um, I think that the, uh, the the cheaper options are probably going to be the most popular uh, mm -hmm. here. Um, that ability doesn't like it's come out to me. Pay as... for it. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly it. It doesn't really speak to me. It's like if it's like a one point difference, cool. If it's more than that, you know, good luck with that. Yeah. So, anyways, bombardment drones. After that. Oh, this guy. They like to show us the bomber generators. That's that already exists, though. Uh, so delayed fuses. So this is uh, a new card, and this is kind of uh, going on top of what we've already seen out of the electro proton bomb. Um, but this is its own modification um, upgrade called delayed fuses. And after you drop, launch, or place a bomb or mine token, you may place one fuse marker on that device. So they've basically given another way outside of just that. Um, Electro proton bomb to put those fuse markers on things to delay bombs going off. You know what the game text of this actually says? What? You can ignore all those things that are written on the card, and it says, We have recycled the art. So if you had any thoughts <laughs> that guidance chips are coming back, get bent. Yeah. That, <laughs> like that it's is not true. coming back, yeah. and don't wait for it. <laughs> Probably people are like, I wonder when they're going to bring that back. We're not. Oh, God forbid. Guidance chips were awful. That was a terrible idea. <laughs> Um, all right, so the, yeah, so the delay fuses are interesting. I mean, that's just you know giving that uh, that that delay ability to to any bomb really now is um, interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and hate on the the fuse mechanic real quick here because well, I don't give a crap about what it does in the game. You know, there's gonna be a season kit with fuse tokens in it. Oh, yeah, right. You're like, hey, can I get something cool, like some target locks, some focuses, or some evades, or something I nah, use sometimes? Nah, you better get those charge tokens. tokens. Like, nah, man, have three gold-plated freaking fuse tokens. You're like, cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Really yeah, appreciate can, that. I can kind of see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the other thing, uh, the hyenas also have their own version, uh, version of the landing struts. Is it exactly the uh, same? Ex yeah, I believe so. It looks Except exactly it the same. Except it says hyena instead and has new art. Yes. Yeah. That's good. So, um, we got the electro proton bombs, which we've talked about before. Um, those look really ridiculous, but they do take Bastard. a bomb. Yeah, they do take a bomb and a mod slot. Um, so, 
And I'm, I'm imagining these things are going to be expensive too, or this thing is going to be expensive because it's one charge that you cannot be that you cannot recover, and it's a unique, so you can only have one in a list. Can you tell me any ship that has a bomb and a mod slot that wouldn't take this because it takes those two slots? Um, no, 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 definitely not. I mean, you're going to take both. Like, if you're going to take it, you're going to take it. You don't care about the mod slot, but I mean, it, it is just an extra. It'd be kind of cool if you had two mod slots and you could uh, drop one of these over two fuses. Yeah. Well, right. I'm, I'm just trying to think like if there's any ship that has the ability like to equip this that would say, you know what, this is, it's just not, it's too much to take that muscle. No, no, I'm no. just wondering if that's no, no, really no. a crux. No, it's not. It, it I isn't. just learned this week that there are ships without mod slots now. There are some, yeah. That the uh, the Thai silencer, um, the, uh, the the fang, fang fighter, fighter fang who fighter. comes with afterburners in the pack. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, did they really? Such a tease. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a in bird culture we would call that a dick move. Yeah. Um, and uh, all right, so the electro proton bomb is um, during the system phase. You may spend one charge to drop the electro proton bomb with a one template then place one fuse marker on that device um and it also does require a uh, reload slot in order to carry it or reload and action can't be reloaded and it can't be reloaded so it, it does have a lot of interesting restrictions on it once that bomb drops it does uh, uh anything that anything like within range zero to two yeah three dice <laughs> worth of jacking four. everything up a four? Yeah. So if you're so if you're within range zero to two of the thing when it blows, you get um, you roll four dice um, on what is it? All the blanks, you lose a shield, right? Oh, you also can't trajectory simulate this, can you? No, is that a sensor slot? That's a sensor slot. Oh, is, so is the directory simulator? So you could. Fair enough. Yeah, there's a few ships that can do that. Um, but yeah, so I think on all on blanks, you lose a shield for every blank. Um, focuses and hits, you gain an ion token. Oh, there's one that does ion token, and then the other one is the gem token, right? Oh, not gem. Um, weapons disarm. disabled. Dis yeah, the disarm token is crits. Mm. So. Oh, okay. I thought it was hits. Or yeah, okay. I, yeah. I so I think it's like focus and hits is um, is ions, and then the 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 disarm token comes from the crits. My favorite part about the electro proton bomb, <clears throat> by far. Is the idea that in the future they're gonna need to make more bombs of some sort, and they're gonna have to find a name stupider than electro proton bomb? <laughs> yeah, because like they're really like they're like we got oh, plasma Joe. torps, we got proton torps, we got photon torps, we got your electro proton bombs. If you if you charges, think that name's dumb, wait till thermal the, detonators. What? Well, if you think that name's dumb, I got a worse one coming up for you here. Do we really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm on. You know, you know what? I was gonna drink coffee. You know what? It's yeah. beer time. It's beer time. <laughs> Hold my beer. It's like, hey, I think electro proton bombs a stupid name. Yeah. Hold my beer. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. This, uh, we'll get we'll get there in a second. Uh, <laughs> all right. So then, uh, the next ship uh, we have up is the Initiative One, uh, double uh, pips on it, so you can have two of them in your list. Bactoid prototype. Um, it says while you perform a special attack, if a friendly ship with the network calculation ship ability has a lock on the defender, you may ignore the focus calculate or lock requirement of that attack. Uh, this seems pretty good. Yeah. So, basically, when do, they, when do those things take locks, though? That's the problem. Well, roll somebody does. Lock. I mean, that's the thing is you just need somebody with network calculations to do it. It's just, um, 
you know, you put a couple of these in your list and you can, you, you can do it. Well, and, and there's some other stuff coming, you know, Man. that's coming in here too that could make it easier to I use. this beer tasted like six months ago when it expired. <laughs> it's not that old. <laughs> uh, it's a Christmas <laughs> beer. Yeah. That wasn't quite six months. <laughs> Best enjoyed before 036 of 19. All right, fair enough. So we're only two months past date. Yeah, Fine. that's not too bad. Fine. <laughs> it's just a serving suggestion anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me continue a trend here. I'm just going to continue flogging the dead horse because apparently horses are in Star Wars because they have all the same animals we do plus all the other ones. What a stupid subtitle. Why are we doing subtitles? Why are uh, we bothering? I don't know. I mean, they're fun, I guess. Yeah, they're that's text. a stupid subtitle. Function we over got form. Tom, we got Foff. We got all kinds of stupid subtitles. Yeah, they're a little weird. Um, yeah, they're goofy. There was dumb. somebody at FFG that was super excited about them when uh, when they announced them, but you know, I'm gonna guess it's fine. That person's been shit canned. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> yeah, FFG never fires anyone. You can scrub as bad know. as you want; it's still there. I don't know. So, all right, here we go. The Diamond Boron missiles. Joe's drinking on that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so verdict is it worse <laughs> better or worse name than electro electro proton bomb i mean and somebody google what boron is isn't that a real thing no is that a periodic table i'm pretty sure boron it's... is an element <laughs> i'm pretty sure <laughs> it's diamond dash boron does that mean it has both or a combination i i don't know well, diamond's just carbon so why you're just carbon but it's, it's yeah but it's hardened carbon yeah, but I'm just. I'm what's the significant? Oh my god! I mean, it's. Oh, not, what it's, am I talking about, or what's the name of this? About? I'm not doing this. I, I've already gone through so much science debacle and debate. Yeah, take that science. Our favorite show that we've been watching, uh, Game of Thrones. So I don't really need to start uh, dealing with this shit. Right no. Now. Okay. No. Well, just hop on my <laughs> just hop on my bandwagon. Just make fun of the names. Yeah, that's fine. This is a terrible name. <laughs> Can we just call it like if we're gonna like. Like, completely pull names out of our behind? Can we make them cool? Like, how about Super <laughs> Mega Deadly Missiles? <laughs> Super I mean, if they called them DB Missiles, I'd be totally cool. <laughs> Holy shit, they did. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't even imagine what these do. Like, it's going to be a letdown. Steve, take it away. What do these do? Okay, so the Diamond the, the Boron Missiles, which are a double, uh, they double missile slot to run these. Um, which kind of makes you think that these hyena bombers are going to have double missile slots. Um, no, probably not, because apparently afterburners are in the FN. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that would be pretty Nothing ironic. is sacred. Yeah, yeah. Take so, nothing for granted. Uh, so this is a range 2 to 3 missile. Uh, it's three dice out of the front arc. It's got three charges. Uh, it's an attack target lock. Spend one charge. After this attack hits, you may spend one more charge. If you do, each ship at range 0 to 1 of the defender with agility equal to or less than the defender's rolls one attack die and suffers one hit or crit damage for each matching result. So basically, it's a really complicated way of saying they kind of sort of brought back assault missiles. we're in like, what, wave 4? Yeah. Right. (laughs) I can't wait to see how shitty this game is by wave (laughs) 8. The Diamond Boron Turbo Ultra <laughs> Explodo Proton Photon Nucleus Fucking uh, yeah. Missile Torp Bomb Let Yes 
something like With that. Sixteen lines of text takes yes. up four uh, slots. Well, they, they they took a really roundabout way of just saying like every ship within range zero to one taking extra damage. I mean, I guess technically it's rolling a die, so it's a fifty fifty to take an extra damage, but it's well. I mean, this is worse than assault missiles. Yeah. Remember how much people played assault missiles? Yeah. So this should be used. Like uh, even in the Tie Fighter meta, like even in back in like wave three and four when Tie Fight when, when yeah even when it would have been good yeah it still wasn't. I, I never yeah nobody ever played assault. Partially it was because they were so expensive and because of the spending of the target lock that that was always the problem with the original the old school munitions and in edition first edition is that you had to spend the target lock before you even shot the thing it's that was always the so it's like problem. arguably if you ftl with one of them it was less accurate than just ftling yes. normally yeah so it was like exactly so that's what why, was the point that's why nobody ever took muni- like that's why nobody took munitions for the longest time until they stopped until they took off that requirement but it was like the the proton rockets and the uh, the plasma torps and the um, of course the other ones the harpoon missiles that became just totally stupid at the end. But you know it. So that was why the assault the assault missiles never took off. But this is basically the assault missiles just for 2.0 and much more complex. I mean, I guess I want to just play DB missiles just so I can be, I'll fire my douchebag missiles. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. fire away. Uh, Fire away. <laughs> um, all right, so next oh, up. good. Yes. Uh, more DBs. Yeah, more DBs. So next up, <laughs> we got a uh, initiative four hyena, hyena droid here. Uh, DBS 404. I, I, I love the... The error 404. Yeah. So Problem the subtitle... The subtitle yeah, and the subtitle on this thing Nerds. is Preservation Protocol Not Found. And it's uh, the 404. Yeah. So there you go. I like that flavor text, Joe. Ha, ha, ha. Um, you know, I, I'm going to need a minute to let this sink in because I found things like this funny in the past and maybe I'm getting old now. I'm like, man, you guys to try a little bit. That'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're just getting old and crotchety, Joe, but it is. You are. <laughs> this is perfectly fine. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I used to be young and crotchety. So, I mean, that was. Yeah. Well, it's just different. I could honestly say that 90% of the cards that I've played. Like an X Wing 2.0, I don't even know what the flavor text I, is I don't, on I, those cards. I don't know I mean, at all. I think it's so this is not really something like, that should bother me. <laughs> I think it's yeah. just weird they're developing a sense of humor now. Yeah, but like they've been taking this so seriously for so long. They're like, by the way, now, now we're gonna have a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, right. It feels weird. Yeah. All right. So the uh, the ability on this thing is that you can perform primary attacks at range zero. While you perform an attack at range zero to one, you must roll one additional die. After the attack hits, you suffer a critical damage. So every time this guy gets a range one shot or a range zero shot, he gets an extra die, but he also takes a crit for it. So this guy's kind of on a timer. <laughs> um, Actually, he's hysterical, and I love him. Actually, I really wish he wasn't in this faction. Yeah. This guy would be a really fun, like, scum ship. Yeah, yeah. Like, he feels like he's in the wrong faction. Like, it feels like he should be, like, some scum pilot who just doesn't give a flying This does book. feel a little too cute. This, this 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 whole thing, this whole ability and everything, the whole thing feels like it does. You're right. It feels like scum cute, you know, like just the kind of like random ability <laughs> that they I would throw that into that, the scum no, I faction. I hate that that's a term and that you're right. Yeah. It's like this is the kind of thing you should give to that uh, jerk off faction that uh, <laughs> we don't actually want them to do anything. We just, you know, every time we have a crazy idea, we're like, we're going we to give this. Give them some wonky, the I- faction wonky that doesn't ideas. Do one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like this guy at the right point cost can be funny. Like, yeah. at my point cost, this guy is just a jig. Oh, yeah, he's a great filler. I really wish he was, like, one pilot skill instead. 
Yeah. Like, he'd be the ultimate blocker. Like, throw him out there. If you run into him, he's blasting exactly. the face or four. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'd be cool with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with a calculator token. Man, yes. that's going to be rough. Yeah. So, this is a cute, <laughs> this is a cool, I think this is a cool filler guy. You know, like, you probably don't put anything on him. You, you know just throw what, him out there well, naked as, as, it depends on how much he costs. If nah, got man, is, there a, is there a good missile that can fire at range one? Uh, it's only primary attacks. No, yeah, he can, he can only do primary attacks at range zero. It's a, any attack at range zero to one. Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, not that you want to, like, spend money on a um, missile and then, like, The only, I mean, it's, if it has a torpedo slot, you got advanced proton torp, so you can make six dice at range one. Yeah, I'm nodding. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that sounds fun to me. Yeah. So as long as it With has a torpedo lock. That's a lot of hits. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, I think, I think that'd be funny as hell. That is rough. You yeah. will respect that. What are you going to do, block him? He'll just hit you for five anyway. Yeah, yeah. So it is kind of away. funny that they have the two different qualifiers on here. The primary attacks, you can do at range zero, but you get the zero to one, any attack, you, you add a die. <laughs> so, yeah, so you got, like, advanced proton torps. I mean, I guess, you know, technically um, know. proton rockets. But there's a list with, um, like, Grievous crew. At least you know you're going to have one of your guys die. Yeah. <laughs> going to get that charge back. Yeah. I love so. this guy, actually. This is my favorite card that we've previewed. This is uh this the might, entire time this might be the most this. fun thing I've seen in scum uh, in, in uh not in scum here but in separatists. Yes, you know what? This is my favorite. Yeah, I really wish he was in scum. <laughs> uh, all right, next up we got uh, DBS thirty two C. Named after my first girlfriend. It's an initiative three. <laughs> 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 it's not DSL Joe. <laughs> no, 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 just 32C. No, the 32C. Oh, 32C. <laughs> hey, yeah. you, man, you took that. I got it, Joe. <laughs> I got it, Joe. Get your mind out of the gutter. You're blocking my air. Yeah, right. Uh, so this is an initiative three. It says, at the start of the engagement phase, you may spend one calculate token to perform a coordinate action. You cannot coordinate ships that do not have network calculations ship ability. Um, now, the other interesting thing about this is that as opposed to having a reload action, this guy has a, a red jam action. So That's actually really... Is this like the first time you've seen a chassis change up actions, isn't it? Outside of the couple of chassis that have both human and droid pilots. So yeah, the focus has become... Calculate, but, yeah. but outside of that, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it before. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Yep. I actually think I actually think Separatist is my favorite faction. As much shit as I gave them, like literally as recently ago as a know, minute, four and yeah. a half minutes. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> actually Separatists get like the coolest abilities. They're everything scum wishes they were. Yeah, probably. So this is a pretty good ability too. So at the start of the engagement phase, so it's basically you get to do a, a like an infinite uh, coordinate. It's like I get to coordinate something after absolutely everything else has happened. That's a little powerful, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's yeah, super powerful. I mean, it is limited so, I mean, to the vultures like and the and the hyenas, but still. They have barrel roll, though. Yeah, and they have barrel so, rolls that link into things. Right. So, so and both of them do. I think the uh, the vultures have the barrel roll linked into the red evade. What's so you the natural can, range on uh, coordinating? Two. Zero to two. That's pretty good. Yeah. You so. know, it's not his action either. I mean, how cool is it that? Well, I mean, it kind of is because you have to coordinate, but you, have to, you don't you have even to have, have to. No, I mean, somebody within have. range one needs to have a calculate because no, uh, no with no, network calculations. That's not the way oh no, no, no! no, no it's just works. depending on performing attacks. Yeah, sorry. yeah. So you have to have a calculate, but that's okay. It'd be cool, in like a kraken of, list or something. Yeah, where like you had one like still around. Isn't there one that like hands out coordinate or calculate tokens too? There's a guy that the hands whole, out. They hold them. Yeah, there's one, there's a well, Kraken lets you hold them, then there's one of the Kraken lets you hold lets unique three ships ones lets you pass one out. There's one of the uniques that lets you pass one out at range zero to three. 
Okay. So you take yours and pass it to somebody. That's kind of cool. Um, so there's, Maybe a little too there's cute. Different, well, there's another, t- there's another tactical uh, relay thing here coming up that's got Ooh. some interesting things for that. Here And here it is. Uh, so this is TA-175. This is another uh, tactical relay upgrade. Um, same thing, separate as solitary. So you can only have one of these in your list, period. Uh, and then after uh, a friendly ship at range 0 to 3 with uh, Calculate on its action bar is destroyed, each friendly ship at range 0 to 3 with Calculate in its action bar gains a Calculate token. So this is kind of similar to like Sloan. Um, the idea behind it, but when you've got these little guys out there that just pop and then all of a sudden, and they're, they're generally low pilot skill, low initiative. So you, they usually, so it was like one of them gets popped and then all of a sudden your entire squad gets an extra calculate token with network calculations all built into it. So that's pretty, that's pretty damn good. That is good. Yeah, this one, I think there's, uh, you know, obviously since it's still new and, and there's a limited amount of cards, um, you know, this one's costed a little bit more than the other two, uh, but less than Kraken. I think this is a better If it's, if it's less than Kraken, I think you take it. I think you take it. Yeah. I think, this, I think Kraken, I, I feel like Kraken would be still be more expensive. I mean, that because it, it expands the action economy through yeah. different turns. This is dependent on a ship being destroyed yeah um so i think th- i like this one better um yeah. than kraken if it's cheaper think, oh for sure i think this guy is played by the same guy that plays tom servo on mystery science theater <laughs> also i think it's the same actor it does look like him <laughs> um all right so that is uh that's all the stuff here in the uh the hyena bomber article any uh any kind of over overarching thoughts here about this this here hyena bomber? I mean, I think it's gonna be good just because I don't think you really want to give, I don't think you really want to give these guys, not these guys, but the um, the vulture class any sort of munitions or anything like that. Yeah, because they're too fragile and they're gonna die before they fire them. Cause they all have well, terrible. the vultures have the. Uh, I mean, everybody's playing them with the energy shell charges. The energy shell charges are super cheap. They're still very they're, volatile. They're like That's one point five and one point zero math. Yeah, something like that. they're very cheap. Yeah. yeah. So some something I've learned from flying the gold squadron troop, troopers is a five hole and two defense dice is actually really good sweet spot and kind of a shots to kill scenario. Yeah, it takes a lot more effort to kill that than you want it to. Right. <laughs> you know, like because the ship's not worth hardly anything. Well, I mean, like, it's only right. one less than. It's only one less than X wing, isn't it? <coughs> yeah, X wing is two, yes. and they have they have four holes. Well, and two those have to so you have to take yeah. into account, yeah, the shields. Um, yeah, but I mean, those like are one early on. Yeah, I mean, only being one less than a X wing, it's actually pretty sturdy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. especially it's at the point costs, like because you look at well, the gold squadrons uh, on the torrents, they're what like twenty five is their base cost. Correct. So that's super cheap. I mean, we're talking two points levels. more than a than a TIE fighter. So it's as, about as low as it gets, but it, it gives you a pretty decent amount of survivability for that point cost. Right. Now, these so I bombers, like these. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, yeah, finish your thought. Uh, they're saying these, these hyena bombers, it'll be interesting to see where they come out points wise because from a stats bar line, they're, they're, the chassis itself is actually very similar. Obviously, the upgrade slots are going to be different, but the chassis is very similar to the, to the V19. So I, I, I think it's going to be a little more expensive, but not a lot. So you could have some, uh, 
you know, th these could be kind of fill a similar role as those V19s in the separatist squad. You have you, you have to take into account to the uh, the action bar uh, initially, at least too, yeah, because of the fact that they can carry so much more stuff. They're a lot more versatile, um, so there's a better chance of breaking the ship if it's costed too too low. So yeah, if maybe their approach is to you know try to make sure that they're not they're cost it a little fairly in the beginning. They probably would err under a set of caution and maybe overprice these a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, that's all speculation, so we just have to see it when they come out. But I like this in as the munition carriers and then having the uh, Vulture-class droids as the support, especially yeah. for some of these abilities uh, that we saw, like the one for the coordinate, um, and then you know some of the other stuff that, that we saw in this article. So... Maybe one or two of these with a lot of the drones, and then um, what's the uh, the the mobile lab with uh, one of the tech relays that mm -hmm. TA one seventy five. Yeah, um, spitball in here because this is the first I've seen this article. Uh, that guy that can fire missiles when somebody else has a target lock in him, he'd be kind of funny with struts on it, wouldn't he? Like yes. basically have like a, a missile, you know, like a defense turret. Yeah. Like what is the, what do they call those in StarCraft? Um. They just call them turrets. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever the uh, whatever like the oh no, it's the photon cannons or whatever. Oh, the, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the Protoss yeah. have. Yeah, the Protoss. So it's basically just standing there, just blasting things. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, it could be interesting. I don't know. I think it's a good ship. I don't know. Yeah. Boring, but do we good. see these in the movie? In the movies? Uh, I, the I movies have before, no man. idea. I'm gonna have to rewatch the prequels. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember that oh, Carlos specifically. Uh, they may have been from like the Clone Wars cartoon show or something. You know, like okay. there was a ton of crap in those in that cartoon. That makes the sense. quote at the beginning of the article is from the Clone Wars, so it yeah. is. So, yeah. Overall, I think this is a is a very solid little ship for the Separatists in general. It's gonna it's gonna round out. I think a lot of squads for them. Um, it's got there's a there's a few of them that's got some pretty good abilities on them, and uh, obviously it's gonna be a good ordnance carrier. So. Uh, it's I like gonna the suicidal feel... guy. He's funny to me. Yeah, actually, I do. I do like him. Like, uh, if he's cheap enough, I would. I would just throw him in a squad, just as is, and just run him around. Reminds me of like a Andrew Shalak guy. It's like, you know what? What are you gonna do? Ignore him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except he's got one more health. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah. So, anyways, that now is... he uses ability even once. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uses ability even once. No, no, he does not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so that's like the Hyena yeah. Bombers. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the some of the hyperspace trials that happened over the weekend. Um, there was, uh, you know, some some fairly large ones, uh, some interesting results and stuff. So we'll go over that a little bit. Um, how, what do you guys feel? Uh, I think we'll start here with the Game Theory Hyperspace one in North Carolina. Um, this one is uh, of note uh, mainly because Duncan Howard won his third. <laughs> so... He's got three of these now, and apparently he's trying. He's uh, from what I've what I've heard. He's he's trying to win, not win, but he's trying to at least make cut at seven different hyperspace trials with all seven factions. Oh wow! Yeah, so this that's like knocks uh, separatists off. That's impressive. This one knocks separatists. So so far he's got Imperials, um, Rebels, and Separatists knocked off the list. And he's not only so far he's his his goal was really just to make cut. And now he's he's not only doing that he's he's won three of them, with the <laughs> with uh, three different factions. So, anyways, um, well everybody you know we can be on Duncan watch to see 
if he can complete his goal. <laughs> but his list for this uh, particular tournament was uh, the double separatist uh, infiltrator lists, the Sith infiltrators. So Count Dooku, Darth Maul, the standard list. Hate yeah. and Joe, if you're not familiar with the, that list, the probe droids are the MVP on that list. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, the probe because it allows the it allows the Alpha Strike with the yep. proton torpedoes. Yep. So yeah, it's Dooku and Maul, both with hate, both with jamming beams, both with proton torps. Uh, Dooku's got the the Dark One probe droids, the shield upgrade, and the Scimitar title. Uh, Maul has Palpatine, General Grievous, and a shield upgrade. So pretty standard for the that that double. Double infiltrator list. Um, we we played a regional at the store, didn't we? Yeah, in twenty fifteen. Who won? Uh, Jeremy Howard. That's what I, I remember yeah. that he yes. bought us beers afterward. He, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. We then drove like ten hours back home right after. We drink, did. We had those pictures beers. too. Actually, I feel bad because we really kind of like. <laughs> We really piled it on too. Like, yeah. yes, we would all like a pitcher each. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was so buying. excited about his first regional. I don't think he understood what this was going to be. Yeah. Like, we should go out for beers. Like, we should go out for a lot of beers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, that was a, that was a cool story though. That was a that was a fun. Uh, that was a good day. It was, it was a, a good day. I wore a suit that day. You did. You did wear a suit that day. Didn't you make the cut? I did. You I did think I might have been cut. like the only one that made the cut that day. Too. You were. You were the only one that made we the cut that day. We streamed that one too. Way back and we today. streamed it. That's why I didn't. I, that's Pete well, was doing interviews. I won't say that's why I didn't make the cut, but it's definitely made it more difficult for me because I was I was doing trying to play and also do technical troubleshooting on the stream because the store was so hot that some of the equipment kept overheating. Oh really? Yeah. So I was running over there like every like I, I, I like in like during games and stuff because the equipment was like over. So eventually. The, store, the guys at the store went and got us like a box fan or something. Oh, really? And we had to put like a box fan on the equipment to, and it, that kept it cool. But yeah, I remember playing against Baron and Sutra Fidel in that one because yes. we were, I don't know if we were playing the exact same list, but both had decimators. And we had, yeah. we, we had one moment where obviously somebody had initiative. I don't remember which one of us, but we both put our dials down next to our decimators. And, and we couldn't remember here. which one was which. <laughs> and it was very important because we both had engine upgrades. Somebody had the thing. Oh, yeah. So, like, you couldn't, like, look at the other person's one and figure out who it was. So yeah. I'm pretty sure we rock, paper, scissors to decide whose was whose. Yeah, yeah. Like, we had, like, somehow randomly determine this. We're like, oh. I am fairly certain that is my dial. Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully this doesn't negate the entire game. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think um. I ended up winning that one against him, too. And nice guy that he is. He was like, well, you know. You won rock, paper, scissors. Good job. That's yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I made the cut, and then I flamed out in the cut. Yeah. When B-Wings were a thing. Yep. So then uh, the, uh, the other finalist in this tournament was Steve Dodd, uh, running Luminara Unduli, Anakin Skywalker, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Anakin and Obi-Wan, both with the Delta 7B title. Any relation to Lot Dodd? Or, or the other uh, Chris Dodd. Uh, is Chris Dodd a real person? He's a politician, yes. Really? Yes, senator, I believe, or used to be at least. Really? Because Lot Dodd's also a senator. Interesting. In oh. Star Wars. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm assuming that's where George Lucas got the name from, because Chris Dodd was definitely a senator for like a long time. Man. Wow. <laughs> I believe he ran for president at one point as like a Democratic What if that is candidate. a reference? Nerds to the internet. Yes. Huh. To the internet. That is bizarre. Where is where's Chris Dodd from? I don't remember. I just remember his name because I, I think I, I remember him. Uh, him, Carlos, Google it. Uh, <laughs> Google. How'd you know? To the Google. I could hear the typing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's from uh, born in Connecticut. Yeah. 
Mm, that's right. I don't know if the trade federation. Yeah, center for Connecticut from 1981 to 2011. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because somebody, yeah, somebody representing for 30 years means that there's obviously change for their constituents throughout yeah, the years. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's oh, let's not get into politics. In no, this not. Um, <laughs> so, well, I mean, we can all agree. My thoughts on term Politics limits. aside, Lot Dodd was an asshole. Yeah, Lot Dodd is <laughs> super big asshole. <laughs> um, so, Only Star Wars politics allowed. Yeah. So, so we got the we got the the triple uh, Jedi Starfighter list making making the final table here. What do you uh, what do you think about that? Well, I assume he was talking to Carlos. Carlos, Joe, anybody. Uh, the triple uh the triple jedi starfighter triple list, jedi yeah, yeah Luminary, I, Anakin, I mean so there's always been you know anakin's obviously the best um to choose from it's it's hard to be able to figure out a good list that fits both anakin and obi-wan uh-huh. um you know luminara adds uh, the, the ability for luminara mm-hmm. people don't know it's kind of like a similar to the 1.0 sensor jammer where yeah. you basically spend a force and you change a hit to a focus or a crit to a head um and you know that that's useful you know to to mm-hmm. be able to kind of mitigate damage how much force does um, she have it's only two two yeah yeah but you know it comes good in a pinch uh and it just uh it handles damage i'm surprised you know that that's it uh, you know it's just a delta seven b's no regen or nothing uh so props to steve dodd here uh, you know taking these three jedi uh, yeah to the I mean, it seems to the final table. Uh, they're, yeah, they're seems, kind of uh, and getting the uh, the getting the world's invite because <laughs> Duncan already has one. Yes. So. Yeah, exactly. Duncan so obviously he knew one. getting into the final table was like, cool. I yeah. don't need to win. <laughs> cool, sweet. <laughs> um, all right. So then also we had Chris Allen uh, of the crates um, who made the top four with uh, Gold Squad, two Gold Squadrons, Anakin. With Great R2, job. Delta 7B, and Mace with a Delta <laughs> 7B. So this this should be a familiar list for you, Carlos. This is, yeah. Uh, this is a great list. Um, I, it looks like he might have gone for an initiative bit here. Uh, I'm not sure why he didn't just stick on the R2 on Mace, unless oh, this Mace might also. be an error. Yeah, because, I mean, oh, it yeah, still yeah. comes out to 198. Uh, yeah. So without R2, you're so looking at... it's either at an initiative bit or just a mess up in the thing. Typo. But, yeah, um, one or the other. I, I'm thinking... You know, maybe he did go for the initiative bid. Um, yeah. I mean, it's important for Anakin. Exactly. Uh, there's something to... Uh, I see a Soontir Vader Vermeil list there. You know what I mean? That that could yep. have been important for that matchup. Yeah. Though, I mean, that list can get really, really cheap. Um, so, yeah. You know, it's... Like you said, it's important for Anakin. But it's such a great list. Uh, the two Jedi, you know, if, if you can get them to pump out consistent offense um while they're trying to deal with this gold squad and troopers you know they mm-hmm. they block and just kind of in general just muck up the works yeah uh, I, it, I will it, say they start taking out lists quickly yeah i will say i think the gold squadron uh the 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 torrents in general have uh, really just the gold squadrons but the, they've proven themselves to be i think better than i don't think really anybody expected uh, when they were first announced you know i think uh I think it was they were largely looked at as like pretty meh <laughs> in the in the beginning. So, um, but you're seeing those gold, those gold squadrons show up in a lot of places, and you know as filler for this list, and uh, and then in the sinker swarms where you can run you know a bunch of them. You so. say with every single preview we look at though, like all this stuff is 
point cost. Well, yeah, it's all point cost. So, like, I feel like if they take the gold squad trooper and they add two to three points to it, I feel like yeah. it drops out of yeah fifty percent. Yeah, list they're they're at a very good point. They're at a very good price point. Um, and I, I don't suspect they're gonna point cost change them just because I don't think so. I don't think they're gonna up the points on almost anything in the later two factions, like the Republic or the Separatists. Just, I mean, what other options do they have? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if like yeah, up the point cost of something random in the Imperials, or you know. Yeah. You have the point cost of proton torpedoes and rebels. Well, rebels found 14 other things they could do instead. I think you might it's see like, some upgrades get some point costs, but probably not sh um, ships. Yeah, ships. I don't think they're going to change like, them. The one that I think really... They don't have enough chassis to replace them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think hate will probably get some sort of change to how it works. Um, just I don't think it, hate's going anywhere. I the hate... Well, hate will be changed based on health. I mean, that's what I think. Or agility, maybe? That's the easiest way to do it is agility. Yeah, maybe. But I, I, it's one or the other. I mean, it's not like they, they're afraid to put, like, eight different point costs on, on a card. They've done that before. No. So, um, no, I, the easiest way to kind of mirror what they've already been doing is to do, do an agility base because, in general, one agility ships have more health, two agility, three agility, et cetera. Yeah, maybe I worry you know, about that is then, like, so. hate's still going to be a bargain on the... The Sith Infiltrator. Well, no, no, no. No, the Infiltrator one agility. One agility. That's what I'm saying. Well, so saying make it more expensive, expensive on the one, on a one on agility ship. On a one agility? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Because, yes, the idea because of the of more health. So, but then it's still cheap on Vader? Yes. I think it's fine where it is on Vader. I think it's fine think on Vader. I don't think it's that big a problem on Vader. You only have four opportunities to regenerate. Well, let's put it this way. Force. It's only three points, and people will, people are still will still not always play it on Vader. And it's only three right. points, so it's it's not necessary to Vader's um, functionality, but uh, it's a nice thing to have on him if you can if you got the points for it. But if you don't, it's not make or break. The other thing I kind of worry about about upping the point cost on that one is again, it's like you know if you're upping the point cost on a bunch of things, what becomes the the replacement for some of this stuff? It's like okay, so you can't play supernatural reflexes on anything at all. You can't play hate on anything at all. It's like why do we even have like a dark side force slot at that point? <laughs> It's like, well, you know, fire at seven. I guess that's cool and all, but like, yeah, well, that's, it's, it's that's why thing. that, yeah, exactly. And I, I, like I said, I don't think that it would be uh, damaging to not being able to play the card at all. I think it's it's think finding it the right reflexes. Well, yes, that's a different story. <laughs> but in this particular case, you know what I mean. You're basically making sure that you price hate at a high cost for these ships that take a very, you know, strong advantage of it, like the Darth Maul double shot, et cetera, and all that stuff. You you basically address that issue, but if you put hate on Vader, you don't totally ruin it. Um, yeah. So that's really where the balance it comes from. Well, that's the thing, too, is like hate becomes much stronger the more health you have. It's just... Fact not only that, but just you, you only, it, at the at the very most on Vader, you're gonna get four usable uses out of it. Um, I actually don't even know what hate costs now. So, so well, it's I mean you're gonna you're gonna it's gonna help you four times at most on Vader. On these guys, you know what's how what is the health on these things like? I don't even know, like twelve or something. Yeah, let me take a look. So uh, the, ten. 10, 10 total health, so you yeah. take 9. And they've got shield upgrades on him, so he's at 11. Yeah. 11. So and, you're and going to get they, a lot more than double Maul usage. Shoot, Maul shoots twice, and that, that that's yeah. really what it comes from. He becomes a target. People want to shoot at him. He regenerates more force over time. He uses it to shoot twice. And then by the time he dies, 
you know what I mean? Their list has already taken so much damage <laughs> that, you know what I mean, he's made up his points. So um, that's really where the the card ends up being broken is that it allows Darth Maul to pump out that much more damage. Yeah. I just think that it's, uh, if anything is a prime target for variable point costing, it's hate. Like just the nature of how the card functions. It's just better on ships that have more health. So... I still think they'll leave it alone only because what else is that faction going to do? Oh, it'll do. It's going to have, well, by the well, time they get swarms. to the point cost on it, it's going to be in July. They'll, they're going to have the hyena bombers by that point and other stuff. So it's, they'll be fine. I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. I, I think the eight, the, even the eight vulture swarms are a usable squad out of that faction. But I, I think also uh, the, um, with the new tactical relay, like I said, if it's costed, efficiently uh you might see uh Bellula be just kind of that carrier um because right now it's like the, the the setup is like darth maul with a few um of the uh the vultures but uh with the hyenas maybe with the points you can set up something where it's one Bellula, two hyenas and then three or four of the vultures you know so you kind of have that kind of mixed swarm uh type play with all small bases yeah so I, I don't I don't think the separatists are actually it's not going to hurt them that much, um, but it, it it is a little abusive at the moment. So we had uh, another hyperspace trial in uh, Michigan um, that had fifty five players. That was at Eternal Games. Uh, the winner here was Nate Bacon, with um, I do like bacon. Yep, with a uh, pretty standard. Any relation to Kevin Bacon? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, everybody's related to Kevin Bacon, don't you know? Six degrees. Seven, yeah, six or seven. seven degrees. Yeah, I think it's seven degrees bacon. I think or six. I think seven is too easy. I think you need to play six. Is it six? Okay. okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, Nate here was playing the kind of the classic uh, Inferno Squad uh, tie swarm um, with Howl Runner, Swarm Tactics, Iden Versio, Delmico, Swarm Tactics, Gideon Hask, Wampa, and Academy. Tie swarms are good. We know that, especially in hyperspace. So that's a uh, always a, always a solid meta call. Uh, second place was a Darth Vader with hate, fire control, and afterburners. Soonter with a Predator and a shield upgrade. And Duchess with Predator, seismic charge, and shield upgrade. So this is a, an archetype we've seen in hyperspace a bit. Um, you know, Vader, Soonter, and something. It's, you know, sometimes it's Vermeil, sometimes it's Duchess. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the TIE Striker kind of like aces? Duchess versus Pure Sabacc versus countdown um i don't know I, I always have a hard time with those like i really like i really like pierce sabacc but i feel like pierce sabacc just gets blown off the table like as quickly as possible <coughs> um which yeah, maybe, but i mean if he does that means they're not shooting it yeah and, and maybe like, isn't a terrible thing i'm cool um, with that and then countdown is is interesting just because it can be so hard to kill countdown it can kind of survive for a long time um, Duchess, I mean, I guess, is Duchess the highest initiative value one? I want to say that uh, Duchess is initiative five. Yeah, I think that's really why you play Duchess. I, the ability is kind of interesting because I guess you do get the, it does allow you to pick and choose when to use the ailerons. So, yeah, that, Duchess is five. Yeah. So the ability is interesting from a maneuverability standpoint just because you actually get to pick and choose when you use the ailerons, which, can be useful and I think you're really but I think you're really playing Duchess for the for the initiative um, 
Well, I mean, that 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 ability to be able to use it and not use it is, is sort of like a... It'd be Garbo and Holder if I was Gilmore. Yeah. <laughs> I won't call it like uh, as abusive as uh, pre-nerf Phantoms in 1.0, but oh, it's, yeah. it's similar in that sense that you basically yeah. see the board state and then react to it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can go fast, you can go slow. Um, so having that flexibility is pretty useful at that initiative. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's a good uh, kind of solid archetype we've seen in the hyperspace format. Um, now, is that one? I don't have math in front of me. Is there an inch bid on that one? I don't have the math in front of me either. I'm sure there is. Yeah. Because you get a five, a six, and a six with a decent initiative bid. At least you're, at least you're giving yourself uh, options. I'm going to bet 191. <laughs> Ooh, we can bet on this? Oh, shit. Uh, 207. Yeah, no, that's not going to work. No. Try again. <laughs> No, I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> Take my ball, go home. You said 191. Uh, that was my guess. Steven? Yeah, that was my guess. I'm going to guess 183. <laughs> ah! Come on, why is it like not working? What are you doing? <sighs> ah, Carlos. Making hold bad radio. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's almost there. I like that somebody took Han Solo with uh, Lando in there. Oh, yeah, there you go. And R2. Mm-hmm. What, Han, Wedge, and Jake. Oh, 191. Good job. Uh-huh. That's not a good job. Don't congratulate him for that. That's weird. <laughs> you shouldn't know that. No, no. That wasn't because of math. That wasn't me, like, mathing it out in my head. That was me basically just... Because 191 really does seem to, like, for whatever reason, seems to be the magic number that a lot of these A squads sit at for initiative bids. a lot of initiative bid. Yeah. Well, it's nine points. Do your math. Do your 1.0 math. So it's four and a half points, right? I have never played four and a half point initiative bid. No, you haven't. I once played a two point initiative bid and I felt dirty. <laughs> I, had to cl- I had to wash up afterward. <laughs> but I mean, a four point initiative bid was, I mean, it was, that was a large bid in, in 1.0, but it wasn't the largest. There was more, there was, I saw more obscene bids than that in 1.0. Yeah, doesn't, didn't uh, Team Covenant one time play like a 14 point initiative bid just to show how broken uh, Phantoms were? Uh, Possibly. They just played did. like two Phantoms and like a 14 point bid and like, Wrecked face. You got yeah, possibly. I, that's that's a distinct possibility. <laughs> um, so yeah. So what else do we have in here? Yeah. So that was the the other finalist, Josh uh, Josiah Elliott with the Vader Signature Duchess. Uh, in the top four, there was uh, Patrick Wojtowicz, uh with Null, Kylo Ren with Proton Torps, Instinctive Aim, and Advanced Optics, and Quick Draw with Fire Control, Shield Upgrade, Special Forces Gunner, and Pattern Analyzer. Uh, so fat this is, quick draw. Yeah, the fat quick draw Kylo combo with null. So that's a that's a fairly um, standard uh, setup for that f- for that first order squad as well. Um, it's good. I mean, y- you got a lot of pilot skills sitting out there. You, you got a uh, you know a five, a six, and a seven essentially sitting out there. So it's uh, that's that's always good. Um, yeah. Then we got. Oh, we'll talk. About, let's talk about. Let's talk about Han Han here. This is the top eight. Uh, list of uh, Jacob Gra- uh, Grable that uh, Joe likes over here. So it's Han Solo, Trick Shot, Lando Calrissian uh, crew, R2D2, engine upgrade, inertial dampeners with Wedge Antilles with an R2 Astromech and S Foils, and then Jake Farrell by himself. So, you know, what do you like about this list, Joe? Ob- other than just the names Han Solo and Lando Calrissian? Uh, no. Uh, somebody was telling me the other day, I'm not going to name his name anymore, I'm not name dropping anymore. Got big head already. Um, so Han Solo, did you get there? If you're next to the obstacle, can't you re-roll Lando's dice? 
Yes. And you can reroll R two's dice. Yes. And all that's funny to me. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Wedge is pretty standard. I hate Jake. I hope he goes to hell. Um, <laughs> What's wrong with Jake? <laughs> Stupid. Okay. Hey, that's my son they're talking about. Now your son's Jake. Uh, right? <laughs> nah. Yeah, we talked about this, right? So right now he's Jakey until he tells us to stop calling him Jakey. Yeah. I think there's going to come a day. <laughs> <laughs> there will come a day. I can't stand being called Absolutely. Joey. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, uh, no, uh, my problem with Jake, actually, there's twofold in the problem with Jake. Uh, Jake Farrell, not Jake yes, Carl's yes. kid is a badass. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, Jake Farrell, A, I don't like double remaneuver ships. I think they're shooty and stupid, and I wish they'd go away. Um, and also, I particularly hate that one because I've played him once or twice, and I can't wrap my head around which one's on his action bar and which one wasn't. Does he even still do that? What does he even do now? Uh, so there, Jake is, the, the Rebel A-Wings have boost in the ship ability, don't they? Mm. <laughs> Carlos? Mm, I'm not sure. I think they have boost, but they don't have barrel roll or something. So like in 1.0, I'd always be like, I'll barrel roll into a boost. Like, you're backwards. You can't do that. I'm like, oh, well, screw me, I guess. Oh, they, they only had boost. Yeah, so it's like he had the barrel roll as part of his ability, but it's like I would always screw that up and be like, oh, I guess I will just... uh not do any of that stuff and that will make me angry and then <laughs> also we may have mentioned this once or twice on the show oh they do have boost and barrel now. yeah they have both they have both now yeah okay well uh i'm gonna go ahead and uh replace the second thing i hate about him with a different thing i hate about him so there's any number of different <laughs> different ways that people can use their words you know to bother me during a game of x-wing so Jake Farrell used to be, because it was a popular commercial at the time, Jake from State Farm. Oh, God. oh my god! And like the smug way, and everybody thought that was the funniest thing, is probably at least number four to five on my list of like words people say at X-Brain tournaments that piss me off. <laughs> and four and five is pretty high on my list. I mean, there's about 30 different ones on there. <laughs> it's a long list. It's a long list, but like four or five is pretty high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about the whole Jake yeah, from, the State, Jake Farm from State Farm thing. Yeah, the Jake from State Farm thing. I'm hoping that dies off. Shut up. I'm hoping that dies off by the time people will start saying it to Jake when, you know, he realizes. I think, it's, it I think it's a dead uh, meme. I, I think, think it's, it's a dead, yeah, that's a dead one already. But You know what I got uh, a lot when I was, uh, I was waiting tables at the time. I was still going, I was still in college waiting tables and um, the first Hangover movie had just came out. And it was uh, the restaurant that I worked at was literally right across the street from it. So that whole uh, opening weekend, every time I'd walk up to a table, I'd be like, hey, guys, how you doing? My name's Carlos. I'd be like, oh, my God, not at the table, Carlos, not at the table. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there going like, I don't get it. And then I, because I, didn't, I hadn't watched the movie yet. And then I watched the movie and I was just like, oh, no. And it happened for like a whole month. It was the worst, worst thing i've ever experienced it's even worse when you're not <laughs> in on the meme you're like i don't even know what you're talking about yeah so uh all right so then uh over here in dallas um there was another hyperspace trial this weekend and this is bizarre so this was like super uh rebel beef heavy um it was like there was five rebel beef lists in the top eight so including the winner here uh robert pettit 
with uh, wedge and servo motors, Braylon selfless and jamming beaming, jamming beam, uh, Blade Squadron veteran with selfless and jamming beam, and Cassian with selfless Leia and pivot wing. Um, so yeah, the 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 cut here in Dallas was littered with <laughs> with the Rebel beef. Remember that episode of South Park when they just got discovered you can say shit on uh, cable television? Oh yeah, that's kind of the, what we're doing here with Rebel beef. Wasn't that the time that then they say it like a hundred something times and like there was episode? like a little ticker at the bottom? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm actually like mentally ticking off the number of times on the show we've said Rebel beef. Yes, oh. Rebel beef. <laughs> so this place had the meat sweats. Was that, yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, it did. Um, so yeah, so that that was that. Yeah, the the final the final match was a was the rebel uh, mirror match basically. Uh, so it was Wedge. Yeah, Roberts list with Wedge, Braylon, Blade, and Cassian, and then uh, Robbie Goodhue with Wedge, Dutch, Cassian, and Braylon. Oh, no, see, no, this I like. This is cool. We had two matching lists playing against each other, and it was a dude named Rob against a dude named Rob. Yeah. Like, it's like that's the kind of outcome I wish for. Just like something that makes a neat story later. Yeah. Like when the wife's like, "Hey, how'd the tournament go?" But it was weird. It was in the finals. These guys were playing the same list. She'd be like, "Yeah," but and they had the same name. She's like, "That is kind of neat." And my daughter'd be like, "Did I even hit the space potato?" Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Does anybody even play the space potato anymore? uh, Yeah, I throw it in my. These lists have their obstacles in there. I want to know the obstacles they play. They don't include that on the list. You know, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. I that's know. a good point. That would Inquiring be, minds want to know. That would be a nice feature. Mm. Yes. Um, we need to have that, that whole spreadsheet and not anywhere on that thing. Did they put anything about how many people played the space well, potato? It's because it's not, uh, it's not really recorded. I feel like people are cheating. Yeah. I feel like they're swapping out things in between matches. You never know. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, man. if you really that's want to... A good, that's if, an interesting point there, Carlos. Elaborate. Well, here's, here's my, my, my take on it, is that if you're going to cheat, that is the last thing on your list to cheat with. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, there's so... It's on the list, but it's on the bottom of the list. You know what I mean? Like, the first thing that you want well, to do is Brad. figure... Yeah. Like, when he wasn't looking, when he was, like, looking down at his dials, I was seriously, like, taking obstacles off the board and replacing them with, like, potato chips. <laughs> he did not catch it the whole time too this will be like he'll find out about it listening to this episode i'll get like a text in the middle of the night he, i don't even know if he has my number but he'll find it steve will give him my number he's gonna text me in the middle of the night be like you son of a bitch <laughs> yes yeah if he you know, like, if he if he hits me up asking for your number i will give it to him he don't know that's what it's about too. Yeah. you'll be like oh i know what he's gonna yeah. say <laughs> it's like remember that time you uh pulled off that uh gas cloud and replaced it with a 1972 silver half dollar <laughs> <laughs> Knew it was you. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So the so in the top four, three of the top four were were pretty similar Rebel Beef lists, and then the only thing different in the top four was a Suter Vader and Turfinier list. Um, this is a uh, this is a, a Turd Ferguson sighting. Um, <laughs> Turfinier. <laughs> I haven't seen old Turfinier. I haven't seen old Turd Ferguson in a long time. Dude, what are we talking about? Like, can we make like, can a Turn Ferguson? You can take Vader <laughs> I and Suntier and then something else. We're like, yeah, apparently that's something else could be damn near anything. <laughs> yeah, apparently it can it also doesn't even be matter. Whatever that third ship is, just Turd a Ferguson pile of shit. <laughs> so uh, a little bit different loadout here. Suntier, he's got Lone Wolf and a shield upgrade instead of Predator. Uh, uh, Tur has a trick shot and then Vader with the hate and fire control and afterburners, which is pretty much the standard setup on him. 
Um, so yeah, so that that made the top four. So it's it's uh, it's good to see the these some of these imperial aces lists just you know showing up in these in the cuts. It just warms the cockles of my heart. The subcocular region. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also in the top eight cut here, there there was outside of all this rebel beef, there was also uh, one Anakin Mace double gold squadron list and a. Yep, there it is again. Also, also a good list, and then uh, an eight Trade Federation drone list with a bunch of dis- with some Discord missiles and a bunch of energy shell charges. So that was things that all made the cut in Dallas. So um, you know, I th- any anything interesting out of the hyperspace trials from this this weekend? Um, I, to me, it's kind of I think. I think the hyperspace meta is fairly stable at the moment. It'll, it's, you know, it's about to get shaken up because I think when Wave 4 comes out on June 6th, there's going to be changes made to what ships are usable. So I don't, I'm hoping they take some out. I think, I think they're at a very good spot as far as like how many ships are usable in, in hyperspace. I think it'll be a subtle change. I don't think they're going to change that much. With yeah. Are we talking about uh, Wave 4 coming out or are we talking about the point change? Well, no, I'm talking about Wave 4 coming out and affecting the hyperspace meta, like what ships are in or out of hyperspace. They're saying uh, from the stream uh, that it could be in conjunction. Uh, so we might end up seeing the release come out. Might get the point the updated at the same time. Yes. Yeah, it's a possibility. Are so. you guys watching the stream? Uh, I, I, I have I watched part of a few it. times. Yeah. So I know they have the one coming up later this month with all the world's details, right? So, hmm. so that will be fun and exciting. Um, but yeah, I think that, like I said, the hyper the hyperspace meta is pretty stable at the moment. Like there's there's not a lot of um, pretty much the stuff in the cuts is the stuff we've been seeing in the cuts for the past few weeks, and I think it's going to stay that way for the most part until um, until the uh, wave four drops, but. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? On the map? Um, well, yeah, just in general. Hmm. On hyperspace at the moment. Hmm. Carlos, I'll let you go first. Um, it Like you mentioned, it's it's settled. I think there's um, strong contenders in the Rebel faction with the Rebel Beef, uh, the House um, Swarm with Empire. Scum, unfortunately, is just nowhere to be seen. FO can still compete. Uh, you see Kylo Ren and Quick Draw yeah. and, and stuff like that still make cuts. Uh, resistance looks like it's nowhere to be seen again. Um, and that could be part of the reason, it could be the release of the new factions. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, but uh, yeah, the two new factions are healthy, it looks like, uh, both Republic and, and Trade Federation. So. Yeah, it's so what we're looking here towards, you know, it's sort of coming coming to an end at this stage and whatever whatever results we see, I think, for the next month or two are probably gonna be more of the same. Yeah. Um, I think so. what we wanna see is uh maybe scum come up, um rebel beef maybe come down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um I think leave the new factions alone uh, for the most part. Uh, because you kind of need them to be strong since they're just entered. And you don't want to nerf them too hard when people just invested into a new faction. Yeah. Um, but maybe just make sure that you can add a little bit of flex- flexibility, uh, recost some of those um, 
name pilots for the ARC 170s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if they want to make the, the cheap one, though, the, the, the base one uh, any cheaper, though. So there's some flexibility there. Uh, so in general, uh, like I said, I don't think we're going to see a lot of surprises from here on forth. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I would kind of... Um... You know what? What would uh, uh, I'll throw this question out there? What What do we think? What would we like to see as far as changes into in the hyperspace availability, like ships coming in and out? I, I for one, like from the from I'll take the Imperial perspective on this. Um, I, I wouldn't mind taking out the Reapers and the um, uh, the other one there, the Strikers, the Strikers, and replacing them with like the shut the Lambda shuttle and. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what else. Something else. Um, I was I mean, about to say phantoms, to... but then I feel like that might be, just be too broken. Do you think That's... they have to take out ships to add ships in? Is that, is that sort I of how we're assuming that, it's going to work? I, I think it's going to... I mean, they have to at some point, because otherwise it just becomes extended eventually if they never take anything out of is it. That, so, but do we know whether or not that's the goal? I mean, yeah, I was going to say, I, almost, I don't know what that feels like that's the plan I think not. if it's. I, I think if it isn't the goal, they're, I think they're missing a huge opportunity. I think they're... I, Hyperspace has been hugely popular. I and it's think. the first time a format's been popular in X-Wing. Yeah. It, I, I mean, mean the, like, the, the format... X-Wing's been a, a free-for-all yeah. squirrel... Yeah. The format has been popular. Radio. So I, I think they'd be shooting themselves in the foot if they just slowly phased it out. Um, I think it's a good format. So... Can... So one of the things that, um, you know, they kind of hinted a little bit, hopefully... The Wave Championships let you pick the format between Extended and Hyperspace. Basically, yeah. they just said, do your thing. Um, is it a possibility that come Store Championship season... I mean, you can, Store Championship, you can't, you can't really make alternate formats. So you kind of need to have consistency. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, they got to pick or, one. Do you, do you think that they'll maybe kind of have that flexibility... Because I, I do like the idea of, like you mentioned, taking ships out, yeah. putting ships in. But it's almost like, could you imagine the uproar if the hyperspace format doesn't have the X-Wing? You know what I mean? Like, people yeah. lose their shit. They're like, yeah. well, how could you not have X-Wing well, and there's, X-Wing? There's you know kind of I mean? certain and, base ships that you may, and some, like the X-Wing is just, that's the one that the they may have to revolve around a little bit. Like the, yeah, the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter, I don't think you can take out. Like you kind of ha- you kind of just leave those in because that's that's from a thematic standpoint it's just gonna like you said it's gonna wig people out if you if you take them out, um, but all the other stuff can be swapped in and out without much without too much you know hubbub, so. But I li- I love having that like a rotation of four or five ships per faction. Yeah. Um, and I mean, then like- basically they just kind of get swapped out. I like the idea, but I mean, to be honest with you, it's sort of unprecedented because there's not really a rhyme or reason to what's in hyperspace. Like, literally, they didn't hyperspace just start with these are the things we actually printed in 2.0? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Then the start of eventually, it. they're going to reprint everything. Eventually, so there's no yeah. like precedent for what they would take out at this point. No, that's, and that's what's interesting about fiat. That's what's interesting about this next ad. You know, when they, when they add these new Wave 4 into it, will they decide to actually take something out? And if they do, what? You know, and how well, do they do that? I mean, so if, if they do, do you think this affects their their product mix and what they're going to sell? Um, like if they if they take a ship out of there, is it selling? Well, they'll again? take something that they'll probably take the stuff they take out, stuff that's already been in there has already been sold. So yeah, or stuff that is not actually released. You know what I mean? They have the interceptor like, uh, for Empire, yeah. but there's no interceptor pack yet. 
So well, the interceptors just got added, I mean? so that's not getting taken out right now. But yeah, I know. But uh, I mean, but just you know, what I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. Basically, there are some ships in the format that aren't even released yet, so they will not affect their sales at all if they just remove them off the format. Um, and then obviously, yeah, like basically, you would start with maybe wave one or wave two, uh, and remove those ships. Uh, since they're the older ones, and you can safely assume that most people have those yeah. already. Yeah, but I mean, those are also the iconic ships they built the faction around, so that doesn't make any sense either. Yeah, it's difficult to kind of. I, mean, I hate I hate to be the, the chicken go. little and say this guy is falling, but like I feel like they're more likely to f everything up than they are to like do this right. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of. I think it's when when it was first announced what hyperspace was going to be. Um, and and it, when it, there was a bit of an uproar about it, and then it calmed down, and everybody started playing the tournaments. And I, th- I honestly, I think the the format's been really popular. Oh, I think so, it has been too. I think it's been a great success. But like, I don't, I don't think. I mean, rotation in any other game sort of only works because it's broadly based on this is the oldest stuff, and we just can't have everything. Mm-hmm. It's like no other game has selectively rotated things out, right? Like. In, well, in card games have. where they do rotation based on sets, they don't be like, this card, this card, this card are leaving, but we're leaving the rest of the set because nobody plays that shit anyway. That's, yeah. th- that's just not how that works. Yeah, yeah. They say broadly, these are the oldest cards, so they're leaving. Yeah. Like, they're not going to do that here. Well, but it's not really leaving. I mean, it's just like, it's leaving hyperspace, but it's still there and extended. It's, it's not... I mean, every game has like an infinite yeah. format where you can play everything and, yeah. You know, but it's just the DJs from Upcountry love it. Yeah, right. I mean, it's I I don't know that it's gonna be that big a, di- a deal. And I, honestly, I think it's kind of cool that they. I think it'll be pretty cool when they get to the point where they start swapping stuff in and out, just because they think it'll make for a good format, not because it's the oldest stuff. So, you know, I don't know. I think they have they got a ton of options in front of them for this. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll have a a really good picture. They have an opportunity once Wave Four comes out because there's. There's so many uh, reprints, uh, and yeah. then only what two new ships. Um, yeah. So, with all those reprints, we'll get an idea of what their plan is with hyperspace. Because if they just go, everything's already and everything yeah. is added to hyperspace. We know we're headed to a hyperspace will eventually become extended. Yeah. Um, and if they don't take anything out, but if they start rotating stuff, etc. Yeah. Then maybe we'll see something. Well, we have a whole other hyperspace format. season left, and I know, you know, I know that this is getting changed, and the name is going to be whatever the hell they're going to, you know, regional championships or whatever they're going to call them next year. But we do have a whole other season two of hyperspace for this, you know, for this year. Um, so they they do need to keep the the format, you know, somewhat functional and stuff at least through through the end of the year because of that. So. It'll be interesting to see what they do as the waves come out, but I I think it's a great format. I think they should stick with it. I think the probably I think probably five to six ships per faction is is kind of the right number. Um, and once they can once they get there, it's going to be, uh, you know, that then they can you know they can swap stuff in and out and and keep it. It gives people enough options, but it also keeps the meta much more 
Um, and I, I think your, your heart's in the right place on that one, but I don't think that's what the definition of hyperspace is now. So we're just assuming they're going to completely redefine it. Oh, well, there's no, there's no, well, there really isn't a there definition. There is a one. Yeah, yeah. You hit that's it right on the head saying. right there. So I'm, it's I'll, literally I'll the things we've printed I'm, since we printed the 2.0 yeah, conversion Yeah, yeah I know. I, I'm just saying, I'm stating what my hopes are for what they, mm. what they continue to do with hyperspace. And, you know, I, I, I'm saying wishing one hand crap in the other. They can be dashed. gets filled first. <laughs> yes. I understand you were a pessimist, Joe. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm in the boat of just wait and see, yeah. uh, and I think it'll be telling with the way for release, yeah, uh, what they're going to do with the hyperspace format. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we're going to hit uh, hit the break here, talk to uh, kick it over to the Florida news desk for just a minute, and we will be right back. This week in Florida, a 29-year-old woman was arrested Monday evening after striking a hospital worker with a used feminine product that the suspect had removed from her pants, police report. Defendant Kofi Castellion sought treatment in the emergency room of the Mies Dunedin Hospital, which is about seven miles from her residence in Largo, a Tampa suburb. While in the hospital, cops say Castellion swiped seven bathing cloths and 10 sets of hospital slippers estimated to be worth a combined $10.79. That minor pilferage cost Castellion a felony rap since she has two prior theft convictions. Castellian then doubled up her docket sheet when she allegedly took a feminine pad from underneath her pants and threw it at a healthcare provider, striking the female victim in the stomach with the used product. Castellian was charged with battery on health service personnel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the second half of Florida Man Plays X-Wing. And uh, in the second half of our episode this week, we were going to talk a little bit about tournament prep. Um, kinds of things that we like to do leading up to big tournaments to get ready and, you know, hopefully not suck. So <laughs> that's, that's the goal at least. <laughs> um, sometimes you prep and you still suck. <laughs> sometimes you prep and you still suck. Sometimes you prep and you make the cut or win or something and good things happen. So it, it depends, but you know, you need to, uh, you know, put the effort in, I guess. So <laughs> gotta get your reps, you yo. gotta get your reps. Um, so can't skip leg day. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, it's, um, it's a little different because, uh, usually when I'm prep prepping hard for a tournament, um, it's, it usually involves late nights with Travis playing like five or six games in a row, uh, which happened the other night, which is why my dining room table is completely covered in X-Wing stuff. Cause we went through like three or four different lists, but, um, that's the thing we do, at least. Uh, and, I, and I found this always worked well for me in, this, um, in the sense that, uh, you know, because Travis likes to play different things. He likes to try a bunch of different things. And, and I, I like, play none of them in the tournament. Yeah, like, no, What no. he plays in, like, tournament prep has nothing to do with what No, no. Like, when we were prepping for Worlds, uh, the last time he went to Worlds, um, I was helping him get ready for that. And we must have played fucking 15 games in like, a, in, like, a week and a half or something, just getting ready for that. And he um, he would he played a different thing pretty much every time, and then he, what he ended up playing at Worlds was Dash Corn, which he had you was know none of which was things. none of the practice. He didn't need practice for that list. He played it so much. But well, it's an interesting theory. Though. Yeah, I was gonna say he won several star championships with it. Oh yeah, he won five uh, star championships yeah. with that list. Yeah, well, it's just so, an interesting I mean, theory like that he, he always the practices the things he wants to play against. Yes. Like he likes to play it and find out what what he hates about that list and yeah. then exploit that later. Yeah. I and mean, it works it works because I kind of do it the opposite way. I like to play my list against a bunch of different things. So he gets to play all these different things that he wants to see how they work mechanically and I want to 
play my thing against it so I can see. Damn, Stephen, you might be it. giving away his secret here because <laughs> it's not really a secret. You know, it's just the way it works. It's you know. It's no, just, of course, of course, I mean, and, it's and not it, necessarily going to work for everybody, but right, um, and, and that's kind of what I'm kind of experiencing right now with the you know prep that we've been doing. I've been actually flying quad phantoms a lot and yeah you know what I mean? it's gotten to the point now where i'm basically going i'm, I'm starting to see the weaknesses if, yeah. if there are any because i mean it's, it's still a great list oh, yeah. but you know but overall there's always, there's always weaknesses there's always weaknesses with something and, and obviously it comes down to play and 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 knowing when knowing the options basically the player has especially the fans yeah. are now in a area where there's a lot of obstacles, they have less decloak options, and that's when you can capitalize because the knowledge is there where, mm-hmm. where you know where they're headed. Yeah. Uh, so playing against or playing the list that you could end up seeing a tournament is, is actually very beneficial yeah. uh, to, to learn that. It's good to make those mistakes. That way you know how to capitalize on them yeah. if you play against them. And Travis's secret is actually that he sleeps with the pieces for any game that he hopes to win. <laughs> and nothing nothing lewd or, you know, untoward. I don't think there's any, you know, nothing biblical about it. But, I mean, like... It doesn't involve a Lego flashlight or something like that? <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's all, you know, very, uh, you know, I'd say above the sheets, but I don't know if he owns sheets. Um <laughs> But I have many, n- any question. number of times back in the day playing Star Wars CCG, like he would wake up in the morning of the tournament and there would be cards all over the bed that he'd passed out on. Yeah. Like, I don't think he'd, you know, touch them inappropriately or anything, but he would lay out a bed of them. That's his secret. <laughs> like, and I don't know if he does that with the X-Wing figures because they're fragile. Yeah, yeah. But I've seen him do it with the cards. It's probably just the same Star Wars CCG cards. A lot of them. For They've luck. moved with him many times. Yeah. I don't know why he doesn't yeah. just store them in my house, which is not a mobile home. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I have seen him sleep with any number of game components for a game <laughs> he plans to win. So, you know, I don't know if that helps anybody out there. Like, you know, maybe that's what you should do. <laughs> Spread your list over the bed. I, just plop yourself I mean, I, I think the big thing to think about really is being willing to play not your list. So a lot of people get into like, okay, they, they build the list that they want to play and they get really into it and they just <clears throat> they just want to play it constantly and get as much practice with it as possible, which isn't a bad thing. But getting out of your comfort zone and playing some of these lists that you know you're going to have to come up against in a tournament, uh, in a large tournament that has a certain meta is important. You know, you, it's, it's a lot harder to game plan against the list if you don't understand it. And uh, so not being afraid to to play those other lists and and kind of expand out of your comfort of your comfort zone, what you normally play, at least in practice, is, uh, I think, a really important thing to do to get to help your overall understanding of of just the mechanics of what's going on. Uh, And it also helps you get into the head of the the decision making process of your opponent um, because you were already in those shoes yourself. A lot of those decisions are a lot of those decisions are, are self, somewhat self-evident once you're the player playing that list, and you actually have to think about it from that perspective. So, um, I just think it's a good habit to get into uh, to practice uh, to, to play other different lists like that to practice, um, especially for a big tournament where you're specifically practicing against a known meta quantity, like uh, like quad phantoms. So, uh, what what do you, what's your tip, Carlos? What do you uh, what do you think? Well, I, I think uh, for starters is obviously knowing your meta. Um, you know, the, 
you can use a couple of tools uh, to your advantage. Uh, I know we had a ton on uh, first 1.0. We're having some pop up now um, in second edition. Um, List Fortress uh, being one of the main ones. Uh, you can check to see what people are playing with, uh, see what is succeeding. Uh, I know they just added the meta wing back uh, to that. Um, so you can kind of see what you can expect, you know, and a lot of people can use this, this information in different ways. Um, yeah. and I think it, the meta wing specifically kind of gets a bad rap and people say, well, this is, this is what kills the game because people just fly those lists. And it's like, listen, you know, it, when you come into a position of a player, I mean, especially like me, um, what I usually end up doing is I go to Meta Wing, for example, where I look at those those lists that are always at the top, and I think number one, what you know, what are the good lists that I could end up seeing again, uh, seeing? Uh, what is a good list that overall has good matchups against everything? And then I think about well, what what alternative? What can I change about this list? that would give me the advantage on the mirror match. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's usually the approach that I take is basically looking at it going, you know, taking a list that probably has the best ability to beat most of the matchups and then tweaking it. So that way, if I see that list across the table, I have that one component that is going to make it better so uh, and win yeah. the mirror match. Yeah. We looked at that one list earlier where we just assumed that somebody had forgotten something and, off the top of my head, I can't remember what it is, but like we assume that they, it was an R two. Yeah, it was an R two astromech on Mace Wind or yeah, yeah. some baloney like that. Feels like right now there's so many lists out there that like I'm literally just gonna take my least important upgrade to me and throw it in the garbage just so I can get initiative over the mirror match. Yeah, it's like we talked about that with Quad Phantoms. And I mean, it's like to maximize it, they put like crack shot on one of them, but a lot of them would be like, I'm just gonna take that one crack shot off. Just so I can get initiative against the mirror match, I'm inevitably gonna see. Yeah, which, which is a ton of fun. I really like that. that we do that. Yeah, <laughs> and it, I'll, I think it's really always, cool not play with pieces. It's always been a thing. Yeah. I mean, it's always been a thing. And and yeah. I'll I'll, I'll to my own uh, horn here, mainly calling back to 1.0, uh, where in the end of the uh, game, I had made that Rebel Beef Squad or whatever you call it, a Fair Ship Rebel, um, which was uh, the Ezra. Uh, double stress, you know, with our three A two, and then Lorik. I had Jess Pava, and uh, Captain Rex, and it was oh, sort of my a favorite characters from Star Wars. <laughs> I know, right? It was a um, best pilot. Ezra, too. hey Ezra, Captain Rex, and maybe Jess. I don't know if she was in the new movies or not, but anyways, um, what I made the list, you know, based on an existing list uh, that was already uh, being played. And what I did is I changed one of the upgrades. That changing just that upgrade made the list uh, be able to match up against the Ghost Fen matchup. Because if you remember, the Ghost Fen matchup had that uh, Hotshot Copilot Fen Rao stripped your focus token and then froze your, you know, basically your mods uh, with its ability. Well, what I added was Operation Specialist, and just that card alone made that matchup so much easier because then I would regain focus tokens that I lost uh, during my shooting and power up some of my ship's, uh, you know, shots. So 
you know, it's just little things like that where basically you make that adjustment, you make it so that you, you take that list that has a good matchup against everything and then you go, well, what's my weakness against this matchup or what's my weakness against the mirror? Um, you know, a lot of times it's just the initiative. But, um, so those are small tweaks that you can make. It could save you time in the whole, you know, looking for a list to play at a major tournament. Mm-hmm. You need a viable list. You don't want to sit there and start from scratch and go like, well, you know what I mean? Like, look at every single ship, every single pilot, and try to figure out what is that niche that you can that you can find. It's best to just kind of look at what's what can I see there? What will I match up against? And what can I just tweak slightly that'll give me a better advantage? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's that's definitely one way to uh, to kind of more easily list build um, that uh, isn't quite net listing, but uh, uh, net listing adjacent. But <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I, I always like I, I kind of did a similar thing with um, like last year, the list that I um, made the finals at the region at the regional with um, was uh, Kylo with um, advanced sensor and PTL and um, uh, was it optics. Yeah, advanced optics. And then um, a Palpatine shuttle and uh, Midnight or uh, Omega Leader. Omega Leader, yeah. With Juke and Com Relay. So it was an interesting list because, like, at the time, nobody was really, there was really nobody playing it. I remember looking on MetaWing um, after I made the final table at that, at that regional, and there was literally one other instance of it on MetaWing at the time. Um, and it, had it, it had made like top four or top eight at some other tournament um so I, I did find that kind of intriguing so i as opposed for me as opposed to taking kind of like an already existing meta list and doing a slight tweak to it i kind of took an archetype and made some weird tweaks to it <laughs> basically it was uh you know and that's why i don't think a lot of people were playing it um you know kylo was a thing obviously back then and you know at the time you had um it was the ghost, uh, the ghost fen lists were just everywhere, and I figured kind of the best way. I loved Kylo against uh, a lot of people were playing Kylo crew on the decimator at the time, and just because it was a little easier to obviously it was an action, so you just kind of handed it out. You didn't have to wait to get to take damage um, like on uh, the old Kylo where you actually had to take a damage to to hand out his. Uh, uh, I'll show you the dark side card, so. But those those um, those uh, blinded pilots were just huge uh, against Fen uh, or the Ghost. You know, you throw that blinded pilot because the Ghost was all about piling on shots. You know, those TLT shots just stacked up over time, so like you just didn't have enough tokens and stuff to deal with four of them in a round. So, getting those blinded pilots out there on that on that thing was just huge. And what Kylo allowed you to do between the um you know between auto thrusters and uh yeah had yeah that's right had auto thrusters on him as well so between auto thrusters and palpatine and his own focus token or whatever um he could pretty reliably um just take one hit from a uh at range three or whatever from a tlt volley from uh, like and that kind of opening volley against the the old ghost so it was pretty easy to just game your dice with all the, that those different mods to take that one hit, give him that blinded pilot, 
and then force him to take that blinded pilot the next turn with um uh with either ship really uh, either quick draw or um not with palpatine uh, basically yeah because of palpatine so it was just really easy to to kind of guarantee that crit and and get it and get it in there and, and, and use it defensively that way and then Omega Leader was actually a huge pain in the ass for the Ghost. Um, the Ghost was was because it was so mod dependent that um, Omega Leader just taking away all those mods from it was just hilarious, actually. So, <laughs> well, um, bring bringing it a a little bit more uh, recent. Uh, you brought a list to the hyperspace trial that obviously you succeeded because you got the top cut. Uh, what was your decision making in that, and and basically how did how did that match up against most of the meta that we ended up experiencing? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the Vader scene through Vermeil list, right? Right. I got mean, yeah. you went two hyperspace trials, but I, the other yeah. one was a little bit smaller. The, obviously, the the one in Orlando was much much larger. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you kind of had a little bit more broad, um, you know, chance of possibly not even facing the meta that you might have been expecting. So. Yeah, and the meta was honestly, it was. I mean, it was only like three weeks apart or whatever it was, but the meta in Miami was different than the meta in orlando by that like like the meta had changed already because wave three came out like two days before the miami um, hyperspace trial and it hadn't really hit yet so there was a couple of players playing playing some republic and separatist stuff there but no, the separatists made the final table so yeah so obviously that was a huge well deal. no that was in that was in orlando i'm talking about it i'm oh, sorry in orlando yeah, yeah. <clears throat> in miami there was like there was like three or four players there who played anything from the new factions and they probably didn't play optimized lists because there wasn't really there wasn't enough data out yet like people didn't people weren't didn't really know how to optimize those lists no singer swarms uh no there's no singer swarms there was no double um infiltrators you know that kind of stuff so so the meta ostensibly was was different, and then three or four weeks later, when we had the Orlando one, um, and those newer squads, the the Republican Separatists had, you know, the the winners of those the winning lists from those factions were starting to show up already. So the met, so you had a much different turnout uh, of uh, of stuff at the Orlando one. It was like I said, only like a few weeks later. So. You know, in the uh, at the one down in Miami, I played uh, I played the Resistance, um, Poe, two A wings, you know, Lulo, Tally, and um, Bastion, and that list. Um, I, I I I really enjoyed flying that list, um, and honestly, like I kind of felt like that. As soon as Wave uh, Wave Three came out, um, I felt like that list was kind of gonna start to lose its steam. Um, it was pretty good there for a little bit right before wave three came out and I played it in Miami just because I didn't think there was going to be enough of the wave three stuff figured out that I was, it was going to be like worrisome to play it. So I just went and I'd been practicing with it. So I just went ahead and I kind of went with it and, you know, was able to make the top four. But, um, by the time we got to Orlando, I just didn't feel super comfortable with that list. Um, do you the, think it was just mainly the change of adding anakin i guess uh, as another yeah six to kind of yeah counter and that's that part boat. of it because that list you can't really have you you really can't you really don't can't put much of an initiative bid and um poe you know poe needs it um to you know he, he yeah he pretty much needs he needs it as much as much of it as he can get at least and uh you know against the jedi it didn't it just didn't seem like a great matchup um so 
I switched over to the, um, you know, Darth uh, Vader, Sunter, and Vermeil um, because partially because out of familiar familiarity, I had played a crap ton of uh, Vader and Sunter in the old days, um, and so I was very used to those ships. And I liked I've always liked Vermeil's ability. It's just it's just a great ability. So uh, it seemed like a pretty good list. It was something I could jump into without a whole lot of practice. Like I think I played like well, like maybe two games with it before that hyperspace trial in Orlando. So, but it was something I could jump into. I knew I could jump into playing it without having to put a bunch of practice in because it was stuff I was so used to from an archetype standpoint. So the, uh, but the reason I liked it was because one, the initiative bid and two, the, the, the pilot skill sixes, it, it felt really good against the Jedi, which it was. Um, I faced a couple of different lists with Jedi in them, uh, with Anakin and Obi-Wan and, uh, I killed them very quickly. So it was uh it it was really really good for that particular matchup um and then it's it's really good against a lot of the other imperial matchups because of its initiative bid and double pilot skill sixes uh which was another matchup that came up in that tournament so that was that was kind of why i that was why i, I mostly switched to it just because out of out of being comfortable with it but um but a lot but some of it also had to do with the pilot skill and the initiative bid but yeah. Um. So, for some of us that uh, can't play just two games and do really good with it, um, <laughs> like myself, <laughs> um, I also basically take advantage. Um, you know, depending on you know availability, on time, and and you know, depending on family life, depending yeah. on all that stuff. Uh, you know, sometimes you might not be able to make it out to the game store. Um, you know, nightly or whatever, or just leading up to a tournament often enough. Uh, so I've been taking, uh, over the years, been taking advantage a lot of the Vassal uh, module. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Which you got you me into t- now. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad it did. And it's, it's so much easier to use now than it was a few years ago. It is, yeah. Um, the first time Mulan, I used it forever ago, I was, it, it was way too unwieldy for me. So I just, I yeah. just never really played it. Muon has done a great job, and and his uh, his team. Obviously, there's other contributors um, to really get this uh, module um, as as user friendly as possible. Um, so it's definitely a good time to 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 start it now if you haven't yet. Um, you have, uh, excuse me. You have a great uh, player base on there. I mean, we're talking yeah. about. You can always. Find uh, yeah, you can always find a game, but not only can you find a game, you can find a game against a really honestly good player. Uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, system open champions, you know, regional champions, or whatever you want to call it, hyperspace trial champions. Yeah. Um, you know, you're talking about those kind of level uh, type of play. Um, and you're talking about being able to just, you know, have a pickup game with some of these guys um, that are just so good at the game. Uh, you know, I remember the first like month or two that I started on Vassal and I lost every single game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, over time, getting that practice, and, you know, when you're talking about playing the, that caliber of player, um, there's always something to learn. And that's really, you know, also one thing that I've talked about this. Uh, we talked this early on in the uh, when we started this, uh, the podcast was that I was aiming for 100 100 games uh, yeah, for yeah. the system. I'm getting pretty close. I think I'm like an 80-something. 
Oh, wow. Uh, and we have like, what, a week and a half left. So I should yeah. be able to make it. Yeah. But, um, but you know, it's, it's the challenge is trying to make sure you learn something from every game. Uh, so, it, you know, if, if you don't have um, that just kind of natural ability to just go, you know, okay, I can put this on the table. I can start winning games with it. Um, the best thing to do is to just go, well, you know, where, where did, did, where did my list fail? You know, especially on a loss, you you can learn so much more from a loss than a win. Uh, but you know, where did my list fail in that, in that matchup? Um, and you can figure out, uh, basically whether you need to tweak the list, whether you need to change the list or whether or not that matchup, you know what I mean? Was the specific, you know, crux to, to the demise. Um, so, and, and the one thing I always try to do is make sure to, to figure out the, the failure, not based on the dice results. You know, you can always blame the dice, but it's better not to, because if, if you can find a reason that wasn't related to the dice, you can actually learn something from the experience because you can, you, you can always play a game and your dice are on fire or they're not. And then that you'll never learn as the, the result of, you know, your experience just based on something that is completely out of your control. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one, something that I've been really been good about and trying to make sure you document. Uh, that, that That's mainly my thing is just documenting each match, documenting what was that critical moment where things changed uh, and what put you in that position and trying to make sure that you learn from it making sure that you don't make that same mistake again. Yeah. Um, so obviously that could take five games, 10 games, 15 games to really, really, you know, dig deep into those common mistakes that you may make silly mm-hmm. stuff like, you know, just not, not looking at the board state, not figuring out where you where those ships are going to go. Your opponent's ships, the most optimal, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, maneuver that are going to make, it's almost obvious. And then you just, forget that that's what they're going to do. Um, so it, it's little stuff like that, um, that, you know, after you practice, you practice more, uh, you realize that, you know, you can start seeing things before they happen uh, mm-hmm. a lot easier. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think, um, and this is one of those things, like I said, for, for me, it's just because I've, I've got so much past experience with it, but Having having a list or having an archetype that you're super familiar with in general um, is just a good thing to, to have in your back pocket because um, this is so I'm essentially always looking for those holes in the meta or like when, you know, different times in the meta when the certain versions of the Imperial Aces can be good. So, you know, it gives me a chance to, you know, I'm always looking for that. I won't always play Imperial Aces because I might just think they're just not great for that for that time period. But I always have it there in the back pocket, and I'm always looking for a place to play it because when I can play it, I always feel pretty confident about my my chances at a, at an event. So you know, everybody has a play style, and everybody you know has kind of a way that they just like to play the game. But it's a really good thing to figure that out and, and figure out what makes you the happiest and most is the most fun thing fun way for you to play the game that you enjoy and you can get a lot of experience doing and then keep that in your back pocket and then look always keep an eye out in the meadow to figure out where is the that window where you can fit that fit that list in again because um, it kind of it comes and goes it's all cyclical 
So depending on changes in points, changes in uh, new new ships coming out and, and cards, all that stuff creates these little meta windows where you can kind of stick some something back in there that used to that you used used to be good, but maybe wasn't for a while. So um, that that for me, that's always an important thing in kind of reading, especially going into bigger tournaments, um, is is trying to you know really look at the meta and, and see where I can take the stuff that I'm most comfortable with playing and and stick it in. So oh yeah, yeah. I mean, look for me. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. No, I just laughing. He's just, he's just laughing stick at me. Say stick he it in. He kept saying stick it in. Uh, yeah. And like the first three or four times, I let it go, and then he's like, "No, I gotta find a place to stick it in." I'm yeah. like, I, "I can't, I can't." And do then this he had to find a place. To it. Then you he know? just had to find a place to stick in his laugh. And yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, and I, that happened to me a lot too. And uh, I hate bringing it back. Find a place to, to stick it in. Find, yeah, find a place to stick it in. Yeah. Um, I always hate bringing it back to 1.0 because I mean, we're trying to move on here, right? It's like always talking about your ex girlfriend. Yeah. Um, but um, the uh, it, it, like I had that kind of feeling with Corin because I had uh, such a long experience flying that pilot uh, oh, that I Karin. always Koran. Um, I always tried that you're triggering. <laughs> my I always whole life tried is to just like a, a, an exercise and seeing how often I could poke my own pet peeves <laughs> and see see if maybe I can overcome these things. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's Koran is that is that's how it's supposed to be spelled? No, no I, I remember playing like Koran all the time with Jake from State Farm, and oh, I always made sure to say back to dials, even when it wasn't time. Like it'd be the middle of the round, and be like, I'm about to show, but ooh, wait, back to dials. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know what anyone else is talking about. Why would I make sense? <laughs> Joe just literally hammered himself with like three of his own pet peeves. It was oh, I got like it was fourteen more in the back yeah. of my pocket. Goodness. <laughs> I like to keep but always, archetypes in my back pocket. Joe likes to keep his his own pet peeves in his back pocket. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I always try to find a way, uh, basically, just like I said, to fit him into a list that could work based on what was currently popular. Um, you know, it happened in several different ways. I think early on it was like with Chewy, and then there was a uh, one time where you know you really had to protect Horn, so you had to run him with Bigs and like. Uh, I think it was, one of the lists was like a Soka. Uh, that, that, yeah. was, that was a, I flew that, that was for a while. It was, that was a really Nathan, fun list. Yeah, that was a Nathan Idy list. Yeah, the Nathan Idy list. Yeah. It was so fun to fly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he seems to be on the same boat. He always tries to figure out a way to f- fit corn in the list. Yeah. He hasn't figured it out in 2.0 yet, I don't think. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if I've seen that bullseye, that bullseye restriction, <laughs> but it's really, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's still that range one. I think if you were to think back, at every situation where you use the Corrin double tap, he probably had the bullseye because... <laughs> ah! Triggering Joe again. I was going to say, like, um, I tried to self-flagellate myself that whole time, and then you just found another one. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you when you're a range... double tap from Jake from State Farm. <laughs> 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 There's so many triggers. <laughs> Okay. But yeah, just uh, yeah, finish my thought. It's just uh, finding, like I said, um, you have stuff that you're going to be comfortable with. Um, you don't necessarily need to stick with it. Don't don't be in that kind of mindset where like, well, you know, Tice Swarm's the only thing I play, and then you don't beat it into the ground. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then that's that's it. That's that's the only thing you fly. You know, basically, right now what we're seeing in hyperspace format 
it's actually really good to fly with high swarm. So maybe if you are a high swarm player, you yeah. do really well at these hyperspace trials that you're mm-hmm. going to, and you're like, wow, man, this list is great. And then you go to a system open, and maybe it doesn't perform that great because the expanded uh, format. I mean, that's something even a whole other topic to talk about is just you know how to be versatile because you have two formats that you kind of have to plan for, but. Um, you know, that's something I thought about too. And, and mm-hmm. we talked about this before is that, you know, f- when you go to these even larger events, like a system mm-hmm. open where they have a hyperspace qualifier and the hyperspace qualifier is hyperspace format, but the system opens extended. Do you bring a hyperspace list and yeah. then you just run it through the both events or do you bring a list for the system open and then bring another yeah. list that's hyperspace, uh, format to the other ones so. yeah and i think that's just uh, a comfort uh, like it's how comfortable you are comfort level kind of a factor yeah. a comfort level factor it's how much practice and stuff you've got in with certain things it's like so you can look at the meta it's like okay so if you have a hyperspace list that you love and you absolutely want to play in hyperspace and then you look over the extended meta and it's just not a usable list then just don't fly it figure something else out to fly so don't 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 try to shoehorn it in just for the sake of not having to figure something else out to play. Um, and you know, same thing in reverse. If it's a, if it's an extended list, you're trying to shoehorn into down into uh, hyperspace. So, you know, just figure out what it is that uh, you know you want to play, and and just and kind of just get the practice in that you can get with it. You know, if you have something that can that can fit both formats, great. I mean, it's all the better. Uh, I definitely, you know, prefer the idea of of having a bunch of reps in with something that I can cross between the two formats. So, assuming that uh, you know, the the system open itself doesn't go great on day one, and then I get to you know go into the hyperspace in day two with a list that I just got six reps with the day before, that feels good. Um, so it's you know. It, it, it just depends, but the, uh, I, I think the idea is to just not force it either way. It's, um, you know, go with what's the most comfortable uh, for, you to, for you to play and, and that fits in with where you think the meta's at and, and, and what you think you're going to be facing. Like, uh, you know, like in Atlanta, for example, coming up, obviously, I think we're going to see a bunch of uh, quad phantoms like we've seen at every other system open. Um, the difference at this system open, I think, is that there is going to be, I think there's going to be a surge in uh, vendor hatchetman lists because one, it's in Atlanta, so it's in the Barrens territory. So they're all, they're all going to be there. And, I'm, and, you know, I feel like a bunch of them will be playing it. So that, who knows? I mean, it, 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 they could be coming up with a new meta monster, you know, real quick in between, you know, from yeah, the Denver. Well, but the they thing could. is, the meta I, hasn't knows, changed, yeah. though. So like, it hasn't, you no. know, like what, what's the, you know, it's like, they're still going to, they still got to deal with quad phantoms. And if that's, the well, they, but they learned that it doesn't match up well. Uh, match up I, I listened to the Birmingham yeah. Barons. I, I think they're yeah. a great podcast. Uh, uh, but they, they learned that it doesn't match up well against rebel beef and yeah. rebel beef is the ding, Swiss, ding. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Swiss list to practice against right yeah. now in both formats, you know, because you're just you have number one the fanboy uh following, so mm-hmm. everybody wants to be a rebel, uh, <laughs> and then number two, you have obviously the transition to from 1.0. Uh, a lot of players already have a lot of these ships, 
um, and the conversion kits. So it had, yeah. there, there's a lot more to play with. So, you know, there's an abundance of Rebel lists, and it's usually that same format. It's the Layer Organa with three other ships, you know, Ewing and the three other ships. Um, if you're going to see that, you know, 30% of the time, then that's what your list should be built to beat. Yeah. Um, because you just have to get through the Swiss rounds. Yeah. After that, you know what I mean? Yeah, you get to face all the really, really good players. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know what I mean? It's, it's, well, you it's, never know. Oh, it's matchup luck. It's, a, it's very matchup dependent. You never know who, what or who you're going to see in the cut. And, yeah. and you have no control over it, anyways. So, yeah, no control. Right. The other thing to look at, too. So, like, think of, like, look at the Denver uh, Open. So, you had a- Andrew Knuckles wins the thing, and he plays. Three, he played what against three quad phantom lists. One of them dropped in the in the top sixteen because they already had a world's buy. But he but he played two quad phantom lists, which is exactly what he prepared for. So it worked out for him because he he got to play the exact thing that he built his list to beat. The guy on the other side who he ended up playing in the finals didn't play a single quad phantom in the cut, um, which was and that was the and it was the one loss he had in Swiss was to a quad phantom list. So he wasn't really prepared to fight quad phantoms, but he didn't end up having to really play any, in any game that was important. So I, I think with Swiss with a little layer organa sprinkle on top there, I think rebel beef would be a really tasty cheeseburger. <laughs> yes. And that's all I have. Is it grass fed? Always. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, if you raised it on Naboo. I was trying to think if there's grass anywhere in the Star Wars universe. I think Naboo is the only time you see grass in the entire, like, trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of some tips and tricks on, on uh, event prep that we, that we do and stuff that we think about, at least. Um, so take that as you will, but uh, we'll go ahead and talk about uh, events, upcoming events here. What do we, what do we got going on? So the big one, obviously, this weekend that I've been talking about for months now is the campaign against cancer on May 18th. Um, we got ours here in Jacksonville at the Cool Stuff on Beach Boulevard. Uh, it's, tickets are still available through the campaign against cancer website, twinsuncharities.com. Go there, get your tickets. You can get your ticket. You cannot get a, you cannot register day of. You have to purchase your ticket at least the night before. So, um, so 11.59 on Friday. Yep, yep. Do that. Be that guy. Uh, <laughs> I don't care if, if, uh, if it gets you there and it gets you, gets you out to have some fun and raise some money for charity, then I'm fine with it. So, um, And honestly, it's really just more work for Chad, not, not for me. So <laughs> um, He'll just send me a list of people who are supposed to be there. <laughs> uh, so anyways, yeah, Campaign Against Cancer coming out. It's going to be a great event. Uh, we are going to be... Um, we're going to have, uh, Scott from Hexaled gaming there to stream the event. Hexaled is a Hexile? Hexaled, oh, okay. I guess. That's why, I I, that's why I've been pronouncing it. Mm, I thought it was Hexiled. Maybe I'll it ask is. Him. We have to ask him. Mm. That's mm. a good question. I just immediately, I just, I just was going with Hexaled. I don't know why. I just was. Well, you're, you work with LEDs, so, you know. Maybe. Maybe that's why. I get Hexiled a lot. Yes. I think Hexiled. Hexile. I've, I'm been Hexile. To, I've been asked to leave any number of places. Yes. I, and you know what it is? It's uh, it's from a lot. no, no, no. For me, Alcoholism. it's from the old. It's from reboot. He, uh, hexadecimal. Actually, I That's was asking like, people about reboot the other day at work, and all of them were like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." I'm like, oh, I have "Oh God, that was like my favorite show ever." 
back in the day. I believe it's on the Flex server, right? Uh, I think it is. If it's not, it should be, and I will contact somebody about that. Yes. But regardless, um, we got we got a person. <laughs> guy for this. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, so that's this Saturday. You know, the system open, which we've talked a lot about, is uh, you know the weekend after that in Atlanta. Coming fast. Coming fast. Um, yes. Uh, for that one, um, if anybody wants to talk to me at that one, I'll be outside. So if like if you need to go outside and kick rocks or whatever, I am there to listen <laughs> to your confessions of an X-wing debacle. You are well, the reverend, so... I thought you were going to... I mean, you're going to be playing Destiny, aren't you? Not well, no. Well, but you're going to be <laughs> playing Destiny. Gonna, uh, yes, yeah, probably. Yeah, should we send people over to your Destiny table and talk oh, about Oh, yeah, Destiny like, games? literally, just talk to me during the game. It yeah. won't bother me at all. Yeah. Like, the opponent will be like, what is going on here? Like, why is my opponent in a confessional? <laughs> so if you want to come confess your X-Wing sins to re- the Reverend Joe during the system open, you can go find you him in the Destiny. You're like... Yeah, you, you can go find him over at the Destiny tables, um, and you can uh, you can sit down next to him and and tell him your your X wing sins. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna laugh if that actually happens. I hope it does. I really hope somebody does that because that would be great. I hope they. <laughs> It'll be a good story. It would be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, keep in mind, this confessional does not have a vow of secrecy applied to it, so. Um, <laughs> is not the catholic church so yeah <laughs> we are not endorsed by the catholic church i mean but are are all three of us technically catholic i am catholic i was yeah. very catholic i was so raised then catholic. i guess we're all yeah. three i was raised holy yeah, shit age of reason. <laughs> yeah exactly so, um, I, so can we do an episode on uh what is it the uh never mind no, I don't want to get there. <laughs> the answer do is no. I'm pretty sure we can't. Did you want to do an episode of the Pope or something? Like, <laughs> <laughs> the Vatican. The Pope on the podcast. Yeah, can we get the Pope Let's on the podcast? Let's get the Pope on a podcast. Like, hey, dude, you ever play X-Wing, bro? Um, you ever even X-Wing, bro? Uh, <laughs> so, anyhow, uh, outside of that, events-wise, um, <laughs> I haven't really thought past the system open. <laughs> well, so, uh, there, there I think is the weekend for that, we have to like spend time with our families and stuff. Yeah, a lot yeah. of time. Yeah. I did want to mention one thing. Um, there is a announcement that was just made uh, this week. Apparently, um, the South American community uh, is having their first uh, international event, uh, calling it the Buenos Aires Open uh, down in Buenos Aires, Argentina nice. on August 10th, 2019. Um, don't know if anybody knows. Um but I am of Colombian descent. Uh, my family is from South America. Uh, this is why, you know, when people probably hear me on this podcast, I'm like, man, that kind of sounds like he's ESL. It's because I am. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> um, English is my second language. I um, didn't even know that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so this is very exciting. I know that um, Latin America has had a very tough time yeah, getting, getting official support, official product. Um, so being as this is my kind of uh, community from far away, uh, just being in, you know, uh, having that connection, that culture and, and being from down there from South America, um, you know, I, I just want to promote this and, you know, hopefully uh, Florida man can, uh, see if we can send some prize support or something yeah. uh, for them to distribute. Uh, maybe one of our next uh, Altar cards. I know we, we've been doing the Poe one now, and uh, maybe we can <laughs> figure something uh, special out for uh, for our South America. Yeah. What's great is that you know I'm, I'm completely bilingual. I can make it in Spanish. Um, there you go. 
so I can I can do that and um, I think that would be really fun um, to just participate in this kind of inaugural event yeah um, so I, 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 I really wish yeah I really wish I could be down there I know that I'll be doing um, Gen Con I think what not even a week before yeah it's like right around that uh, date <laughs> yes yeah, so it's it's I mean I saw this and I got really excited but I was just like man I, I, don't, I don't think I can make it happen but yeah uh, whatever um, I personally and obviously uh, me as a representative of this podcast, whatever I can do to help, uh, I'll, I'll definitely uh, uh, see if I can help them out. So uh, yeah. it's just ex- it's exciting to see. Yeah, very cool. So, um, all right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us this week. You got anything else, Joe? I believe I have a dials down. Bottoms, bottoms up. up. Bottoms up. <laughs> we, we remember I love doing that at the end now. I like, I like that at the end because it's hard to forget things at the end. Yes, yes. The beginnings are so exciting. You're so nervous. At the end, you're like, <laughs> I want to get the F out. All right. We'll catch <laughs> you all next week. Later. All right, so we are after the uh, we're after the music now. Um, this is a big old spoiler alert. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Game of Thrones, and just because we all watch Game of Thrones and we love it, Joe actually comes over to my house on Sunday nights and and cradles gently a pink unicorn doll that <laughs> yes, is my that daughter's. Yes, protects my two favorite. That protects characters. his two yes. favorite characters from yes. death, and it has worked all season so far. Which, I know. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to tell Pink unicorn? Fucking what is rocks. your what? What? Who are your two favorite characters that the, the unicorn is protecting? You know, I think it'd be. Let, let's try it this way, Carlos. Who do you think my two favorite characters are? I'll give you a hint. They haven't died yet through five episodes. But the pink unicorn protects two characters. Who do you think they are? Who okay, do you think Joe John's, would like in the show? What's John that? Snow. I don't give a shit about John Snow. Mm, okay, uh, Davos. Oh, what? Yeah, there you yeah, go. All right, there's one. Yeah, okay. you gotta go hipster with Joe. No, what? Right. Why uh, did you, how'd you guess yeah. that already? How'd you guess that? Uh, well, uh, I I like Davos. Davos okay. is one of my favorite characters. That's uh, so that's so I'm kind of going down my list. <laughs> but I also went with as soon as I said Jon Snow is, is way too mainstream, so I figured here's the thing. Nah, like, he's gonna go somewhere a little like bit kinda, less mainstream. Everybody's kind of like throwing out names, and they've been like, you know, why not this character? And I'm like, because if they died, the show would give them like a reasonably like epic death, or like something meaningful, something yeah. like significant. Like, my favorite characters are the ones that they would kill off. Just, like, literally, like, a guy would be swinging a sword at, like, an important character, miss him, and, like, stick my guy in the face, and he'd die. Yeah. You know what I mean? People yeah. people that do not have plot immunity to death. Yeah. They have no plot armor. Who's, uh, who's your second favorite? I, I don't know. I'm going to guess Arya? No. no too, too mainstream. Too, too mainstream. Too, yeah, like, too mainstream. If, they, if they kill Arya, it's going to be important. I'm telling you, Joe, Joe is an alpha hipster, so you have to, uh, you have to go Still oddball. alive. Can't be Tyrion, then. It it's a great character. Be, uh, the number one scoundrel on the show. Who's the most Lando on this show? Ooh, man, I'm blanking. It is, uh, is 125,000% Braun. Yeah. Oh, Bron! Of course, yep. Bron. Yep. I love Bron. I could, People Bron, have kind I of forgotten about him because he, 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 so he here's he a problem, right? Season, but he's alive. So, he's coming yeah. around. So obviously, right? So yeah, what we were talking about was uh, uh, the, the latest episode, and, and, and Bron is he going to get his castle when both sides end up losing? 
<laughs> God, I mean, he can take whatever the hell he wants at that point, I guess. I mean, but you know how he's lived this long? He gets high guarded now. Do you know this promise. story, Carlos? <clears throat> him and the actor that plays him, whose name I don't know, and Lena yes. Hetty, who is seriously, yes. used to date. Yes. So they are not allowed on set at the same time. Yeah. So yes. he has survived the season by staying way the hell away from seriously. That's usually a good idea. <laughs> like, yeah. that is 100%. Like, if you want to live through this, it's like. Stay away That'll from that. Well, and he got like an assignment from her that he could easily just like run away to a place he she couldn't yeah. get him. Yeah, he's so like, like be away from that. Yeah. And also, so like, go kill my brothers. And he's like, okay, I'll go to the north and hang out and see what happens. Yeah, you know? I'll stay somewhere between this shit show and the other shit show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but Braun's always been. A he's smart a smart man. man. Yeah. Let's yeah. just say, yeah, but the he's pink a unicorn smart has man. protected Davos and Braun this whole season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think they'll live through shit, but you know what? That's been good. They'll live through the show. Okay, so so let's talk about that. So specifically about it being shite. Yeah, okay. it being shite. Um, where was the high point for you? I would guess this season because you were hyped for this. Excuse me for the season, yeah, right? For sure. So what was the high point of the season so far? I, I mean, for me, it's I mean, got to it be. It looks. Episode. It looks good. The action sequences have been great, but like. For me, it's got to be at this point. It's got to be episode three, Winter, the Battle of Winterfell. Like, yeah, that whole episode was great. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't have a problem or an issue with anything that happened in that episode, and it was super exciting. Like, just like it was very suspenseful. Like the like it had. I'd never. I had never been so on the edge of my seat watching it. The morning after that episode was pretty rough. Yeah, I had to go to work <laughs> after that episode, and man. I was still pretty trashed. Yeah, <laughs> we got pretty drunk. <laughs> we got lit as because fuck. apparently everybody was watching that episode at the same time that night because <coughs> it was getting buffered. So every time, yes. every time we had to stop it for buffering, I chugged a beer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So like, so and it so it stopped like three or four times during the episode, and like every time, like well, one of the other guys that was here watching it would like like run to the refrigerator and grab beers for everybody. So we got like way drunker watching that episode than we normally do because nobody wants to get up to go get a beer. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that episode was uh, was brutal. Yeah, but it was very. Um, I felt like I survived the battle, Winterfell. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was very suspenseful. So, like I like I said, I, I I don't know that I've ever been so on the edge of my seat watching an episode of television before. But, but I think we decided to do this because. There are certain parallels with the last episode, and I don't know, uh, Little Orphan Annie. That uh, well, you yeah. know what? I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the dissenting opinion on this because, um, but you go go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, you start. No, no. Uh, Allow me to retort afterward. Well, why? Uh, okay, fine. So the, I, I I honestly think that Danny's turn to the Mad Queen is as as it's being called has been. It's been all over the place for years. Like, it, they've been dropping hints at this for so fucking long. Like, it's not... It shouldn't be that surprising. To me. Like, I mean... I was not... Okay. I, was, I, I was very much expecting this to happen. I won't be able to Star Wars okay. analogy it again, but it's like... The problem is it's depressing and also not surprising. Yeah, like, but I want to, I yeah. want to either be depressing. like a surprise... I either want to be happy at the end or shocked, yeah. and I'm neither. Yeah. But I mean, it's like... Yeah, they have been foreshadowing for a while, so it's like, I'm also, like, I want either a happy ending or to be, like, so shocked that I'm like, you got me. You yeah. really got me. And yeah. I'm neither. I'm like, right. okay, this well, my, sucks. My, and I'm my, <coughs> yeah, my main, my main issue is, that, um, you know, for example, and especially the one thing, you know, comparing it to Anakin's fall to the dark side. 
Right, so you talk about the prequels are getting released, and you, and you see that, obviously, the first movie starts with Anakin. Um, you know his fate already, ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, in the sense of the actor. And, and, you know, obviously, we can maybe remove Phantom Menace from the equation and just say, you know, Hayden Christensen's uh, performance, he knew that basically, eventually, this character becomes Darth Vader. So how do you portray this character, you know, becoming eventually this dark, you know, person, this, this force? Um, let's look at Amelia Clark and her journey as Daenerys Targaryen, where basically season per season, you know, she's liberating people, she's fighting for the innocent, and she's doing all these things where... The, the nasty stuff she's doing is against the people that have wronged her, which she has every right to, yeah. and also people that are abusing or taking advantage of innocent people. So all throughout this, this, this series, you know, there's been this facade of basically she has basic, good intentions all throughout. She is a, a champion of the innocent. And then she goes through this entire series, and then at the very end, all of a sudden, she goes. You, you know, it turned completely her, right? backwards. You know why she goes backwards? She ran into Darth Maul. What Ray Park was there? No, at the end of Solo, she runs into to the Darth Maul, uh, and all of a sudden, right. she sucks. Like Darth Maul ruins everything. So you're saying that Solo the movie is what ruined the Game of Thrones? Yeah, franchise. between se- season, yeah, between yeah, <laughs> between seasons, she ran into Darth Maul, and then all of a sudden she's not a believable okay. character. And she will, has a horrible fall from grace. It happened <clears throat> twice now. I don't even. Well, okay, I'll tell you where I think that is, where I think it does actually fit in line with the character. So when you think about think about the fact that you know Danny was grow, grew up on the run her entire life from a from you know and she grew up with Viser, uh, Viserys or Viserys right his name was Viserys yeah, Vis- yeah so she she grew up hearing nothing but these stories about how she was supposed to be about how their family was supposed to be the rulers the rightful rulers and how it was stolen from them and blah 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 all this other stuff so she identified with the people over in Essos in Essos they had slaves which slaves did not exist in Westeros not a, not in an official capacity. So, you know, she kind of identified with the slave culture, I think, a little bit, because I think in a lot of ways she felt like a slave, um, where she was, you know, being traded by her brother to become, a, you know, to marry uh, Drogo and, and, and uh, whatever and, else. And uh, he was in what movie again? What? The uh, guy that played called Drogo? Oh, your favorite one, Aquaman. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> good, good. Um, We're on the right... We're on the right path here. I don't like Darth Star- Maul. I don't like Stargate Aquaman. Atlantis. And I, that was fun. I'm sure I saw it. I don't I know. I didn't see it. Yeah. So, but anyways, I, I think Danny, in a lot of ways, identified more with the downtrodden of Essos. I think she, in the back of her head, in a way, she always viewed the, the, the kind of normal people of Westeros as her subjects that turned their back on her. So, like, I mean, think, you know, if you think about it this way, it's like if you're the rightful ruler and all these you're supposed to have all these subjects that are all supposed to be loyal to you. And there's this coup that happens and the people don't rise up and do anything and they just go along with it. Like 
in her head, I think for a long time, the people of Westeros are have always, and to some degree, been the enemy. All of them. So, like her her turn there, and I don't even really call it a turn. I think it, I mean we've seen her be incredibly violent and 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 a, and a brutal leader. Like when she took however many hundreds of the masters and and crucified them along the road <laughs> you know it's not like she doesn't have brutality in her she certainly does oh, yeah all so. of this makes sense but like i don't want to end the show this way i'm like cool well yeah and and well personal personal reasons aside you know it just i think that a lot of it, comes it doesn't to make the end. sense it just sucks <laughs> well <laughs> i guess well, i mean it doesn't bother me but it's for me for me it's just not the the story to to tell I, I i just for me everything that has so i think about basically that amazing scene at the end of season five where her entire fleet is going straight to westeros she has three dragons she has a full dothraki horde she has a full unsullied army you know what i mean like this is legit she has Varys. she has Tyrion. she has everything you're talking about the perfect scenario. Everything since then has always been setback after setback after setback after setback. And I'm not going to complain about that because that, I think, is it's something that was probably important for her character to realize that she's just not wanted in Westeros. She's not, she, she, she doesn't yeah. belong there. Her, you know, whole entire journey has been in Essos, her whole entire journey has been freeing people and her whole entire purpose has been being a champion of the innocent and having that power to do that. So all of this culmination of just basically losing friend after friend, you know, losing Jorah, losing Masande, losing two of her dragons, you know, all of that, I can understand that in the sense of like that, that is the reason why she turned mad. I can, I can completely understand that and I can completely understand all this stuff that she did along the way, there was just like, well, maybe she wasn't really that great to begin with. But there comes a time where you 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 become defeated as a person, and I understand that she was power hungry, but I just I don't feel that that the her becoming the Mad Queen was a story that should have been told. What should have been told is the tragedy of of her having a destiny and saying, "This is my destiny. This is what belongs to me." And then realizes that it's it's not necessarily what you know like you you're not fated to have this. Everything's telling you you're not fated to have this. Jon Snow ended up being Aegon Targaryen, actually being heir to the throne. Mm -hmm. You know you have all these things happening. Basically, having her realize that she shouldn't be there, she doesn't belong there. Um, everything up to the point. I mean, I could even literally call that to up to the point of this brand new episode would still work if she just realized that the episode starts and goes, I'm not welcome here. I'm not wanted here, but I'll help you win the war against Cersei and then goes back to Essos. Here's my thing here. Like I've had some bad days. I've lost at some X-Wing. I've been cranky. I don't get as murdery as uh, Anakin and Daenerys, and I ain't really gonna be like, oh, I'll tell you well, this much. You know, I understand she's very sad. Like, yeah, mm, I'll yeah. tell you this much. Anakin's Anakin's the reasoning for Anakin turning to the so, you know, like like we said before, you start with you start off knowing what Anakin turns into, right? 
So like our Anakin turns into this uh, the, like what's supposed to be one of the two most evil people in the entire galaxy, right? And then when you go back and you watch the prequels and they talk and you actually see the story of how you're like you're so you're telling me your motivation is that you weren't the youngest Jedi master ever named. You're only the youngest member of the council ever. And I don't know what else. I mean, you secretly married and impregnated somebody against the, the wishes of the, the order that you were supposed to be with the entire time. Like, like, I don't like outside of that, like, what were his motivation? <laughs> his so motiva- okay, no. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I actually would play devil's advocate here. Good. And I'm sure as Joe knows, because I love the prequels. Um, and I don't mean that in jest. I actually do like the prequels. I know. I know. You so know. that's why we laugh. When you, yeah, when you talk about you know his you know fall to the dark side, there's only one thing, and it's it's Padme. It's always been his love for Padme. Yeah. It's always yeah, been the thing, about, the thing about that Padme thing. Padme make him uh, murder all the Tuscans. No, he was a dick the whole time. Yeah. He's a dick. He's always been a dick. And he can go kick rocks. Yeah. He, he always it, had a dicky streak. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, he, he's, he, yeah, he's had his fault. So basically... He had his faults. Darth Vader, the Dark Lord of the Sith, had his faults. He had his faults. Um, but obviously... Oh, okay, man. Uh, Nobody understands him but his woman who's dead. You know. <laughs> Right. So all his visions, obviously, in the second movie with his mother dying, all that stuff, it comes true. So obviously, those that basically you you get some PTSD from that. Obviously, he has the same visions from that. You know, with his love of his life, she's currently pregnant with his children. Then he's gonna want to do everything on his power to make sure to save her. And obviously, that is where Palpatine comes into play. Yeah. It's, it was never, it never had to do with the council thing. And I, I know a lot of people reference that. Yeah. I never know. had to do with that. He never hated the Jedi council. He, he never hated Obi-Wan. He never hated anybody else. I think he hated besides... Obi-Wan after he set him on fire and cut all his limbs off. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe that's yes. slightly justified. Yeah, before, bef- before the, basically the, the, the chamber, you know, the, the Senator chamber, thing the chancellor chamber fight you know with uh, Sidious against the three Jedi let's say right before that happened you know none of these he had never had any hate for Obi-Wan never had any hate for the Jedi Council Uh, and his intentions were strictly to make sure that Padme could live and that's what turned him what turned him was he found a situation where the only chance he could save her was about to die because Mace Windu was about to kill him so Yes, his intentions were strictly to make sure that Palpatine survived. He only found one way out of it, which was kind of crappy. I kind of wanted a nice epic battle. You know what I mean? We could talk about the writing. We could talk about how that scene could have played out instead. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as his the reasonings for his fall to the dark side were a lot more targeted. You know, oh, it was yeah. one single thing. My last thing that, that I'm going to leave my argument here on is in both of these cases, they're like, well, there's all these, you know, reasons that led up to it, all these things just as like for the murdering of a whole bunch of innocent people, including a bunch of children. They're like, yeah, here's all the reasons they might do that. I'm like, yeah, I don't like being asked as an audience to justify uh, why you did something that shitty. 
Yeah, you're right. Like, absolutely right. I, like I'm not, I'm not wasting my emotional capital trying to figure out why you're a complete and total piece of shit. No, actually, <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Time trying. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Both, both characters, you know, can, killing are in a so sense. utterly they're monstrous kill, that I'm like, I'm not, I'm not gonna spend not. my energy trying to figure out why they're yeah. such a piece of shit. Yeah, it, you know, well, so Anakin showed it a little bit though in Episode Two because he did kill. Tuscan Raider children. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily that. He also killed all the younglings too. So uh... right. Yeah. <laughs> but what not, what I'm saying, exactly, what I what I'm uh... getting at is that he had already done that. So him killing the 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 younglings at the Jedi Temple was not the first time he had killed children. It, Daenerys, if we try to compare this to Daenerys, Daenerys literally remember that one episode where. The farmer came and said, they keep eating my goats, they keep, you know, charring my goats up and keep eating them, the dragons. And then she goes like, okay, we'll figure out some way to compensate you. And then he literally rolls up next time in the blankets and then he puts down his charred remains of his daughter. You know what I mean? She lost her shit for, I don't know how long. Hours, maybe days, maybe yeah. weeks. But they, they implied like, she was uh, mad that the dragon killed one person. Yeah, right. They implied that basically that traumatized her, and then all of a sudden, just a few years later, she's literally gone. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. And just well, burns and, and, and again, I'll tell you, I, I really think it has a lot to do with her viewpoint of King's Landing specifically, like. She has she King's Landing is essentially the center point of all of her problems for her entire life. Oh yeah, that totally. You could you could argue was. that you can argue that, but I'm but just, it's, I'm it's just the saying adults she, <laughs> that yeah. are you know what I mean. It, we have like obviously the whole thing, right? The arguments, you know, especially with in real life application with wars and stuff like that that go on. Well, you know what I mean. It's always the adults that are the ones that cause the problems. It's never the children. So, but unfortunately. The children are sometimes collateral. Yeah, uh, yeah. unfortunately, the uh, children are also kind of flammable. So you know, <laughs> I guess that's their fault. Yeah. All, all I'm saying is that I think I think that Danny had some very negative connotations of of King's Landing, especially in particular in Westeros in general, that she's been dealing with. You know, and it's like this was, and especially after dealing with all the the of Cersei's bullshit, bullshit for the last season and a half or whatever, it's. <laughs> You know, that's I, I the turn that that turn to me was just not for it just wasn't very unexpected. It wasn't unexpected. That's the thing, though. Like I told you, I either want to be happy at the end or shocked. I'm not shocked because like they foreshadowed it and it happened. Yeah. And like also, I'm not happy. I'm like, cool. I, I don't like, know that. Where's you're, the payoff for me? Steve? Well, where's my payoff? Uh, have you watched the show before, Joe? There's no payoff in the show. Yeah, I've been watching there's it for a long like, time. There's They're like two payoffs for a long time. And at the end, I'm going to be happy. OK, so wh- Why one it? of the payoffs. <laughs> One of the payoffs is definitely the Clegane Bowl and yes. Sandor's story arc. Yes. Um, the, yeah, the Clegane Bowl was, was it happened. and uh, Again, I was happy. I wasn't surprised, but I was happy. Yeah, well, yeah, but that that was a bit, well, they even said, I think they even said it in the, like, the post-show wrap-up thing. That they knew it was going to end that, that way. They were like, yeah, this has to end, and that way it's like, yeah. we, it's like, they, like, I think I even said, like, we know this is kind of fan service, but it just had to happen. And it's like, like it's it's like. Th- I'm fine happen. with that. I'm fine with a happy ending. I consider yeah. that a happy ending. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. He yes. does die, but I mean, that, like it was like he died in the way that he was yeah. happy is being the wrong word. Supposed gratifying. to die. Another Taking character in fire. 
Another character arc that I was very satisfied with was Theon, uh, who yeah. I, I, I he was probably the only character that was actually well written from start to finish because I hated him, I liked him, I hated him, I liked him, and I hated him, and I liked him. Like basically all throughout, I didn't know what to think of him. Yeah, at any given moment, and, Theon could be like a complete dick, or like you or know, or have his dick chopped off, or have, yeah, or, or have, have yeah. no dick at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think his story arc was, you know, it worked out really well, uh, especially towards the end, you know, defending Bronn. Um, so, you know what I mean? Like those are just story arcs that were very satisfying. Can we talk about Jamie's story arc in the last two episodes? Oh, yeah, they yeah. foreshadowed that in the first season though a lot. Remember the first season when he pushed Bran out the window? And then they spend uh, eight years or eight seasons developing his character and then throw that out the window? Correct. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Jamie's always had kind of a weird tear in his character between um, being like a loyal, a person who does what he says he's going to do, being a knight, and then being uh, his sister's lover. So, <laughs> like, it's just it's just a weird dichotomy in his character that kind of, I think those are two things that have kind of always played against each other and you know and he even said it like when they when when he left to go fight in the north against the the army of the dead it was never about leaving Cersei it wasn't that he was done with Cersei it was always just that he's like I'm gonna he's like you may be lying but I'm not so I'm gonna go do my thing and, and fulfill my promise and I may die but I'm gonna go do what I said I was gonna do and now, and so then it, to me, it's like right after, as soon as that battle was over, you know, there was the moment, obviously, when he, where he, uh, where he, uh, you know, had sex with Bran. I thought maybe he might stick with her, but he was, uh, there was no way his character wasn't going to be involved in King's Landing for the final episodes. So it's like, yeah, he's going to go back to King's Landing at some point. <laughs> well, he, but here's my only problem with it is that, you know what I mean? He does all these things. Um, especially towards the end, you know what I mean? He goes to the North to fight for the North, to fight for the people. And then all of a sudden that changes and the only person he cares about is Cersei. And even when he was captured in the tent, he told Tyrion that, well, you know, when he's talking, when Tyrion's talking about the innocent or the people and he's just like, I never cared about them anyways. It's like, yeah. that's complete horseshit. Yes, you did. And you know what I mean? Like, I wish that there was at least some kind of, you know, like, you know, but I really did. You know what I mean? Or, or somewhere mm -hmm. where he changed his mind and basically let us know that, yes, it was always about the the the, the better good of the Westeros. Because yeah. especially the fact that he killed the king specifically to save the people. You know what I mean? It just doesn't make any well, sense where all of a sudden it comes back around and goes, said that. I only I did all of this. Like, I think, that he could killed, be true. I think he killed the king just as much to save himself and his and his father as anybody else. You know, because he knew his... So at the point when he killed the king, he knew his father was in the city with their army coming, you know, on the way. So if the Mad King set off that wildfire, that meant his dad and the entire Lannister army went with it. I don't think he gave that much of a shit about the people of King's Landing. So, <laughs> like, I think the Lannister, like, specifically Cersei and Jaime are just, they're incredibly selfish people and always have been. So I, I think that you kind of have to look at anything they ever do from the selfish perspective. And, like, Jaime, 
Jamie was scared of the Night King and that kind of stuff because of his uh, selfish love of Cersei and uh, that, you know, their child, the uh, fourth child that they had created. So I think he went to he went north because one he made the promise, but he saw the value in fighting that in fighting the undead and the Night King and stuff because he had some, something to protect further south. Uh, I don't think that, and, and I don't think he gives he gave any more of a shit about the people than Cersei did. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, let me pose this question: What is the point of spending seven seasons on a character that is just the same all throughout? What is the story that we need to be told? Is that people just don't change their convictions? I think there's certain. Is, is that the story? Well, I mean, I, I love what I, a lot of. No, go ahead. No, a lot of what I love about Game of Thrones is that, that a lot of it's based on reality. Yeah. In the sense of that, you know, just bad things happen to good people, and and sometimes bad people get rewarded for doing something bad, and yeah. just overall the. The story has never been just kind of this fairy tale kind of settings. Yeah. So, do you think that in that sense, like if if you were to write it on purpose and say, "Yeah, I made this character. He it was always selfish. He's always been selfish. We trick people to thinking that he's not, but in the end, he has always been selfish." Is that good storytelling? Yeah, because I think that's a very human thing. I mean, how, like. That's everybody, nobody, I mean, how many people do altruistic things purely for altruistic purposes? Like, there's always some level of self, selfish interest involved. And I think that's a thing that most Hollywood uh, shows and movies do a very bad job of portraying. Like, there's always like, you know, it's always the hero and the hero does the selfless act and blah, blah. And that's, and that, and that's great. Like, you know, that's fine and dandy, but... The problem is it's not really real life. Like in real life, how many people do, do, do completely selfless acts like that that often? I mean, there's not to say that it never happens. But I think the way I think Jamie always having some sort of some sort of selfish motive uh, is is more true to real life than than the than the other way around. And then people with ambition taking what they think that they deserve. Yeah. No matter the cost. Yeah, and that's Cersei. You know, Cersei has boundless ambition. You I'm going to go with, for storytelling purposes, like, yes, the bad guys win often in this show and in real life and whatever, and that's kind of the point. But, like, sometimes the good guys win just by, you know, law of averages, and I'd like to end it there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd like to see the good guys win one time and be like, well, they may all die the next day to being poisoned or some other rebellion. Like I like the story to end with well, the good guys win this one time, and, and that's where away. I think this last episode is the coming up is really interesting. Well. Somebody somebody pointed out earlier this earlier this week that if they just ended it after they killed the Night King, this would be completely fine and acceptable, and that actually might have been a better ending. Oh, just it's you, like they kill the Night King, they have the episode where uh, you know they celebrate it, and that's the end of the show. Yeah, it's probably a better ending than this. Yeah, well, I mean that all depends. Like that all depends on what happens in the last episode. Like everything that's happened in the last two episodes can be color. It will be will be colored by what happens in the actual last episode, and that's why I think the last episode is so interesting because the these this particular episode, the the, the siege of King's Landing, this was all something that like so essentially all of the major storylines of the show that have been built up from day one have now been solved. 
The Night King solved. The War of the Five Kings is essentially solved. Like everybody's everybody all, all the all the original people who were like who's going to be king are gone except for Danny at this point. So the the question so now you have in this last episode you're like okay so now it's going to happen with like these other things newer at newer things that have come up more recently like what is going to happen with John is he are him and Tyrion actually going to take deal with what Danny's doing is she you know like how is she going to react to that you know like and now you also have King's Landing and you and it's there with a bunch of uh, you know what's well, left of the Dothraki and the Unsullied you know, holding it and a dragon that they got to deal with. So, you know, I think you got a few different options. Obviously one fan favorite, the fan fan favorite is probably Jon Snow ending up being the king, right? So I, I would say that's probably what most people want to see happen at this point. Um, I think there's a, there's a distinct possibility that it ends up being uh, Tyrion and Sansa on the throne. Um, is there even a throne left? That's yeah, a good the question. Throne, <laughs> like, uh, the red keep got so. pretty jacked up. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Well, but the, the, there was those scenes from the um, from the early uh, previews for the season where they showed the like it had everybody it had everybody fooled because I wouldn't sit on the Iron Throne right now. Now the building hasn't fallen down completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'd say the structure is not sound. No, it's, it's not. not. I good. would say it's a pretty well condemned yeah. building. No, what I'm talking about all that for that projectile dragonfire. Those, those scenes from the from the previews for the season where they showed the messed up throne, the fucked up throne room, and it, so it's like dark and it looked like it was snowing. It wasn't snow; it was ash. Ash, right? Is, you know, is what we fi- is what we've now figured out. Everybody assumed it was snow, and the the, the well, Night King was going to get that. Well, did you? South. You guys watched the trailer, by the way, for the new episode, right? Uh, it, yeah, it's very. It short. looks like it's snowing. Yeah. Well, it's possible so, that winter it, comes. You know, that with far winter south, coming, but, right? Yeah. So, it, basically, winter hasn't ended. It looks like it's actually <laughs> still getting started. It's coming all the way south. Yeah, yeah, winter's um, still happening. It's just not also right the Night King. so I, there's uh, there could be some kind of uh you know stuff to to do there um i there, there's just i mean and, and besides just her fault to the dark side there's just a lot of inconsistencies that i have a problem with the show in the season oh man uh, especially with bronze importance you know what i mean what the hell he had to do with anything with the night king like what was that why did that even matter? Bronze still bad. You mean Bran? Oh, sorry, Bran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, some characters just decided to just completely disappear. Like Mira was completely gone. And Ghost was a no-show, <laughs> basically. I, I mean, Ghost was... He was I at mean, the battle, but he did not get a pet goodbye. The internet's he did not get a pet that. goodbye. Yeah, you know what? Really you know what, though? Like, the whole, the, whole, the whole Ghost thing, not just Ghost, but the whole wolf thing in general is like... I, I don't care. They're not real characters. Like, well, they're, in, they're, it, like they're in the show. Steve Great. does not own a dog, by the way. I am not. I am he not does a, not I'm own not a dog. An animal person. I'm not. A that's what it is. All. As I a do, dog I do not person, care about, the, about the wolves. I mean, it's not that I don't care about them. They're cool, but I just, I, I just don't. That what's funny is that as a dog person, that's what broke my heart. Was that it was just like 
all right, I. It's like when you go, you know what? This dog is probably better off in a farm, and then you send them off. You know what I mean? Just because. Well, and upstate, that's what they yes. did, basically. That's what they did. Yeah. And they send them to the north of the wall with Tormund. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. So that's what exactly what he did. He just said, yeah. you know what? I can't take care of you anymore because I have a really cool dragon now. Um, so you are basically guy, useless. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that was really it. I think it was just that, like, he. I mean, I, they showed Ghost that, you know, he'd gotten kind of messed up in the battle at Winterfell or whatever. And, you know, like they've been saying from day one, like first, you know, first damn scene of the show, basically, was that these are not of the South. These are these are creatures of north, of you know, from north of the wall. So, you know, he he felt like Ghost should just go back north of the wall. He wasn't going to bring he wasn't going to bring him all the way down to King's Landing. So I don't know. I don't really, that that didn't bother me even in the slightest. That wasn't even on remotely on my radar of things to possibly be annoyed about. But <laughs> All right, kids. We will have final ideas about this next week. Yeah, yeah. We'll do another little post show on uh, on the, the wrap up, the finale of Game of Thrones next dun, week. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> All right. Thanks for sticking around. Yep. Later, guys. Bye. Later. <laughs>